Behold the Hero. And I'm going to do an audio check after we get started. To a country. We don't take an oath to a tribe. We don't take an oath to a religion. We don't take an oath to a king or a queen or to a tyrant or a dictator. And we don't take an oath to a wannabe dictator. We don't take an oath to an individual. We take an oath to the Constitution, and we take an oath to the idea that it's America, and we're willing to die to protect it. Every soldier, sailor, airman, Marine, Guardian, and Coast Guardsman, each of us commits our very life to protect and defend that document, regardless of personal price, to a country. He sounds like an absolute gangster of the lowest intellectual order, like out of a movie, if they were going to make someone sound like this. Chat, let me know if my volume is off. I'm, 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 I'm trying to fix it. I don't know if there's a problem tonight. We'll see. We, can you imagine he's, he's indirectly, but obviously talking about President Trump? In theory, what he's saying is fine. To the extent that the oath that he took, he actually respected. This is General Milley. Let's just hear this one more time. We don't take an oath to a tribe. A tribe? We don't take an oath to a religion. That sounds like two anti-Semitic references right there. If, if, I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, Milley, I don't want to read too much. I'm joking. We don't take an oath to a king or a queen or to a tyrant or a dictator. A tyrant or a dictator or a wannabe dictator. This guy, this guy his, he's taken high school creative writing. It's, it's very powerful. We don't take an oath to a wannabe dictator. We don't take an oath to an individual. Okay, I don't care to hear the rest of this. You know who tweeted this segment out? Liz Cheney. This is a patriot. Thank you to General Milley for his service to our nation. Now, ordinarily, I am reflexively inclined to thank anyone who has served, even if I disagree with them ideologically. In a material way, uh, they are braver than most, and they have sacrificed more than most, myself included. This is General Milley, and the question here is, how good is everyone's collective memory? Does everybody remember who General Milley is, above and beyond being one who um, allowed uh, gender ideology to infiltrate the military, the one who talked about white rage, and he wants to understand why white people have rage? Does everybody remember a very interesting part of General Milley, and I don't think everybody does. Where the heck is the article? Oh, that's right. I lost the link. Hold on one second. General Milley, I'm just going to go Milley heads up China. Does everyone remember this? Ah, yes, yes, yes. Here, this was um, just a mild, a mild nothing of a scandal. He's a hero. He's a patriot. He doesn't serve a dictator or a wannabe dictator. Uh, yet, he said that he would give China a heads up Admitted. Let me see if I. Gosh, these, these websites are with their overlay ads are borderline useless. This is from the New York Post from September 29th, 2021. Milley admits he would tell Chinese general if US launched attack. It's like they speak in these beautiful platitudes, like heroes, like, like people with principles who respect the Constitution, as though we've forgotten all about this. How long is this video here? No intent to attack. And it was my task to make sure I communicated that. And the purpose was to de-escalate, calm you, things. You I am certain, guaranteed certain, that President Trump had no intent to attack. But. And it was my task to make sure I communicated that. 
And the purpose but, was to de-escalate, calm you, things You shared down. all that earlier, and, I understand. And as just, part of that... I, just say, did you or did you not ask, tell him that if we were going to attack, you would let him know? As part of that conversation, he I refuses said, to answer it. General Lee, there's not going to be a war, there's not going to be a attack. But if there is... Powers. And if there was, the tensions would build up. There'd be calls going back and forth from all kinds of senior officials. I said, hell, General Lee, I'll probably give you a call, but we're not going to attack you. Trust me, we're not going to attack you. The he... Hell, I'll probably give you a call. I will undermine the President of the United States. The Constitution to which I pleaded, what is it, pledged an oath. Oh, hell, I'll call you. If things look like they're going to really hit the fan, I will call you undermining the President of the United States. I'm fairly certain there are several laws that prohibit such uh, conduct, but it was only an admission. Amazing. These are two great powers, and I am doing my best to transmit the President's intent President yeah. Trump's intent to ensure that the American people are protected from an incident that could escalate. I understand your intent, but I think you articulating that, that you would tell him, you would give him a call, I think is worthy of your resignation. Uh, I just think that's against our country that you would give our number one adversary a heads up that information undermining the president. That. Mind-blowing. We don't need to we don't need to watch the rest of that. By the way, how many people in the chat knew of that or remembered that? Liz Cheney, a, a woman who considers herself to be the utmost of patriots, daughter of a war criminal, praising a man who says, I would undermine the commander in chief and give a heads up to our biggest nuclear ideological adversary in the event that the shit was going to hit the fan. Mama Cita, buenas noches, no es bueno. Good evening, everybody. Let me go to, let me go to Rumble, make sure everything's good on Rumble. The, um, there's that persisting glitch, which looks like it's been fixed. I've opened up Rumble in two separate windows. When I open it in one banner, sometimes I don't get to see the chat or the Rumble rant plugin. So we're good on Rumble. Well, actually, I don't know that we're good. I, I checked. Let me just, you know, before going, before going any further, uh, let's see that we're good on Rumble. We're, we're good on Rumble. Let's make sure that we are good on vivabarnslaw.locals.com. Looks like we're good based on the comments. <laughs> We got Alberta Rosi, Alberta, oh, Alberta Rosi says he is a criminal. Psychedelic <laughs> math says, buenas noches. I don't actually speak Spanish. I speak French. Bonne nuit. Bonne nuit tout le monde. On a de les nouvelles qui sort de Canada, le, le pays qui devient un pays géré par un tyran. Canada has become a country governed by tyranny. We'll get into it during the show tonight. You've seen the newest thing, the newest headline. Uh, the CRTC, which was governed to issue its own directives as to how the Online Streaming Act is going to be implemented. They're going to regulate any platform that hosts a podcast that makes more than $10 million a year. And, oh, don't worry, everybody. They're going to stop at $10 million. They're never going to lower it to $1 million. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right, but before we get there, before we get into the Rumble France... You all may have noticed this uh, video contains a paid sponsor because it does. I was actually, we're going to talk about the RNC debate tonight, but I met the Field of Green sponsor in person. They like me. Yes. They like me. I like them. And it was fun to meet the people who actually uh, facilitate your online existence. Uh, sponsors that you like, that like you, that you like working with, and that you like endorsing. I met the people from Field of Greens and they're amazing. Uh, but Field of Greens is a sponsor for tonight, people. The link is in the chat. Uh, chat. It's in the description, and you know what to do. Uh, but I'll just give you the, the lowdown on Field of Greens. Powdered greens. Desiccated greens. Some people think that I have a lisp. 
um, which I do, um, a minor lisp, but when I do those Twitter spaces on the f- iPhone mic, my goodness, it sounds like I'm saying th- instead of s, and some people like, you know, the, or, or it sounds like I'm wearing, I'm nothing wrong with wearing dentures, but I have a lisp. So desiccated greens, not defecated greens. Desiccated, uh, it's of the origin of French, uh, sec, ou desiccé, I don't know. It's dried pulverized greens, fruits and vegetables that you, you know, they pulverize it into this powder. You take one spoonful twice a day. One spoonful is a serving of fruits and vegetables with all of the antioxidants. The next best thing to eating raw fruits and vegetables, most people don't know you're supposed to have five to seven servings of raw fruits and vegetables daily. Most people do not have that. Before this stream, I went out to get my daily dose and I took some cilantro and ate it with a chili pepper, which was a lot spicier than I thought it was going to be as my wake up before the show. But when I travel, it's sometimes very difficult to get fresh fruits and vegetables. Having this as a healthy alternative to McDonald's crap, Burger King boycott, don't, don't support them. Uh, it's good stuff. Made in America, USDA organic approved because it's a food, not a supplement or an extract. You go to fieldofgreens.com. It'll bring you to Brickhouse Nutrition, but uh, promo code VIVA for 15% off your initial order. The description is in the link. Hold on. We have a guest. What do you want? Get over here. All right. Winston is in the house. Look at this doggy. Oh, oh now that you're here, I'm actually going to look at your paw. He wasn't letting me look at between his toes. I think he might have had something in there that he was nibbling at. Okay, get out of here. Uh, so we've got a show tonight. So let's see. What, I got a couple of videos to play up front. The, the first one, I'm starting light with General Milley. Before I get into that, actually, let me do the standard disclaimers. No medical advice, no election uh, fornification advice, but we're going to be talking about election fornification. No legal advice ever. Be weary of anybody who would give legal advice over the interwebs and be especially weary of anybody who would take legal advice over the interwebs. Cheryl Gage says, Luke Rudkowski definitely has ADED. That was a wild 15 minutes running around with him. So we were at the RNC debate. I put together a 15-minute vlog on the main channel. That did not include the walk around with Luke Rudkowski. He might have ADD. Who would I be to criticize him for that? But he's got a wealth of knowledge of the occult. Barnes is the legal brain. Grobert and Hunley are the JFK conspiracy brains. And Luke Rudkowski is the Bohemian Grove occult uh, symbology brains. Everybody out there, when you see those wonderful things, they're called uh, Super Chats on YouTube, Rumble Rants on Rumble. YouTube takes 30% of these. So if you want to support the channel, the best way to do it, vivabarnslaw.locals.com, seven bucks a month, 70 bucks a year at a discounted rate, or more if you so choose, people do that. Or on Rumble, Rumble takes 20% of the Rumble Rants, the YouTube equivalent of Super Chats, but for the rest of the year, they take zero. Or you can get some merch. We'll talk about the merch afterwards. You look funny with a naked face. Well, it's been 48 hours, so I've got my 5 o'clock shadow back. In some sense, I had to exfoliate. I had to get sun on my face. It had been a long enough time. And I had uh, played with my beard a little bit, so I had a few bald patches, which were uh, irritating me. So I had to shave it, start anew, exfoliate, tan, and we shall, we shall regrow. Phantom Lord... DJH07 says General Milley is the modern day Benedict Arnold and should be treated in that manner. And I don't know if that, that means, I hope that means nothing bad. And also said he would not follow the orders of POTUS. He's, he's a traitor. There's no question about that. I knew about it. Okay. I will leave that. Ginger Ninja. Thank you very much. Um, so we'll, I started soft with General Milley. Let's go hard 
Oh my goodness. I met, I met Patrick Bet David again at this conference. Um, I, 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 he has grown on me rapidly. I, lo- I mean, I love his demeanor. He's like the stern father, the stern loving father that everybody is sort of scared of, but that everybody secretly wants. The guy who looks at you, judging what you have to say, being critical, but also he has a very loving a look in his eyes. It's going to sound a little weird. He's got a very sincerely caring look in his eyes. When, he, when, he, when you talk to him, he's listening to you to understand you. Um, and some people say to a flaw because he had on, who was that guy? Here, this guy. What's his name? Steve Schmidt. <laughs> we got another Schmidt for brains. All right, sorry, sorry. Hold on. Spoiler alert. I wasn't very polite with him on Twitter and he blocked me. I don't blame him, but I guess he's not going to do a podcast because I called him. Anybody who compares January 6th to 9-11, I'm going to say it unabashedly. They are a shameless, incorrigible piece of shit. Period. Period. Oh, and I, I wasn't comparing. Well, let's hear. I think this is it where he, where he says it. I wasn't comparing January 6th to September 11th in terms of casualties. More people died on September 11th, but January 6th was a more serious attack on our democracy. Pieces of shit say things like that. Pieces of shit try to equivocate January 6th to Pearl Harbor to September 11th to can't even think of another one. So, yeah, I called on that and he blocked me. Fine. Understood. My bad. The attack on the 6th was incited by one of the 44 people in the history of the country who raised his hand. (laughs) Vinny was having a tough time this episode. I love Vinny too. Okay. And swore the 35-word oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Patrick Bet David listens to people to understand them. To my fault, I probably would have said, hold it there, Schmidt for brains. What did he do specifically to incite what you just refer- referenced there? What did he do to incite it? Oh, is it when he said, go down to the Capitol and protest peacefully and patriotically? Is that in your demented mind incitement? But let's let the man speak because, uh, you know, some people fault Patrick Bet David for even giving this guy a platform to spew his absolute idiocy. And I say, good on Patrick Bet David. Stupidity needs a bullhorn, not a wet blanket. Period. Period. It was the most grotesque betrayal and abdication of presidential responsibility in American history. No, oh, that was. Protest peacefully, this was a fraudulent election. That, that's the biggest abdication. Hillary Clinton running around for three years saying he's an illegitimate president is not. Obama spying on Trump incoming as president is not. No, this is, this is. I did a podcast with Troy Goldenberg uh, where it's out. I'll send the link around. I wanted people to listen to it. Uh, you know, the, the, he's, he's a young libertarian kid. He'll, he'll, he'll learn. He's young and naive. But he says... Um, it was, you know, he doesn't support Trump's violent, uh, the violence that ensued the transition of power. And it's like, A, there was no violence coming from Trump. There may have been a, a violence at a protest turned into something of a riot. Fine. But you don't think uh, unlawfully spying on your incoming president from the outgoing administration is violence? It's political violence. You don't think calling him an illegitimate president, a, a Putin tool, a Russian asset is not violence? It is. So... Horse crap, Schmidt for brains. It was the most, uh, it, it, whatever the hell he just said. But let's let let's let's let this bullhorn keep going here. It constitutionally disqualifies him 
in my estimation, from... It constitutionally disqualifies him, in my estimation, from holding... Oh, Peter Schmidt for brains is now also the lead dictator of the world. Screw you, plebs. You don't get to decide who you vote for. Schmidt for brains does. Holding office ever again. How could anybody... How could anybody... Look at what happened. Look, look at, look what at happened. him. Look at him. It was a tour? It w- yeah, How it was. Dare you. How you fucking dare you? How fucking dare you? He can turn to Vinny on Patrick Bet David's podcast and say, how fucking dare you? And then he blocks me for calling him a world-class piece of shit. Hmm. You can dish it, Schmidt for brains. You certainly can't take it, especially when you're called out for being an absolute raging idiot. You compare Jan 6 to 9-11, you're an idiot. And guided around? Mr. The guy, the, the guy that was supposed to be this crazy wild man. They were t- okay. Here, here's my question: What, Steve? How do you explain the countless FBI agents in plain uniform that Listen Congress won't even tell us how many? Because and, it didn't happen. Oh it yeah. Did, oh no no. And, it and, didn't and happen. It didn't. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And Ray Epps just got charged with one measly misdemeanor. Three years later, after being on the FBI's most wanted list for for actions that put other people in jail for 17 years. It didn't happen. Listen to me. I'm telling you, it didn't happen. Right. The violent insurrection. Oh, yeah. By the way, what, what do you, let me see this. We guys saw that. Oh, now you're you going to go to Tucker Carlson. People are fucking rotting in jail for 30 years. Yeah, because okay? they're criminals. Because they're criminals. What the hell does that look like? Okay, so what does that look like to you? One video, look at the Vinny. violence. I don't give Vinny, a shit. because you're yelling doesn't mean you're right. No, it doesn't matter. That's one piece of video. Yeah, one Why piece don't we of show it? the hours of footage yeah. of them Tucker, Tucker, Tucker. Tucker Carlson. Oh, it's Tucker Carlson, so it's got to be wrong. But I'm, I'm. What's his name? Steve Schmidt from the Lincoln Project. So I've got to be right. Carlson here. We got a, we got a guy. We got Tucker Carlson. We got a guy who's got his own show on Russian TV. Ashley Babbitt. God rest her soul. We got the the king of replacing domestic terror. Look at this violence. Domestic terror. I say, let Schmidt talk. I, I, I would have I would have I would have had him on to push back a little bit more on certain substantive matters. Oh, it didn't happen. They didn't they didn't know how many FBI agents were in the in the crowd. Tarek Johnson, former Jan 6 Capitol Hill uh, lieutenant, knows that they were there, admitted as much, recognized as much, didn't know why they were there. They had infiltrated the Proud Boys. They had, I say, allegedly. They had infiltrated the Proud Boys. They had infiltrated the Oath Keepers months in advance as evidence of the seditious conspiracy and violent insurrection overthrow the government that they knew was coming on January 6th, and yet no cops. How do you explain that, Schmidt for brains? Um, So after that, um, yeah, he he blocked me. But uh, I can understand it. You know, nobody likes being called names on Twitter. Oh, lordy, lordy. So that was, uh, that was another one. That, that podcast is painful to listen to because you want to jump in and you want to interrupt at every step of the way where he comes out with absolute, utter horse crap. Now, before we get into the actual part of the show, we'll have, we'll have a little bit of lightheartedness. I went on a, uh, dr- uh, not a drift boat, but a uh, charter boat. Like we, 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 we went fishing. It's called Real Floridian Fishing. R-E-E-L, Floridian Fishing. They're on Instagram. I wish they were on Twitter because I've been tagging the heck out of them. Um, Look, when I was a kid, my dad took me out once on a boat and I remember we hooked hooked a mahi-mahi and it jumped out of the water and threw the hook. I remember the day was uneventful on the boat and that damn... Oh, shit balls.
It still works. It still works. Okay. It lost a bit of the frame. I'm going to fix that afterwards. Gosh darn it. Okay. That'll stay there. We went fishing and it wasn't the greatest experience. And it was like, um, and then I tried to take my kids out once before and it's like, it's, it's, it's expensive and it's long. And if you're not catching fish, you, know, you, you have kids coming back um, with my childhood memories and you have the adults saying, Ugh. we went yesterday. I t- People, the video is coming. Look at these beautiful beasts. I, they are beautiful and I appreciate this might make some people unhappy to see a fish um, dying and getting killed. We ate that fish last night and not all of it because we got some in the freezer it was flipping delicious we get out on the boat within an hour we had already caught two kingfish they were small i mean big kingfish beautiful keepers and i was like okay we're, we're good enough that's it that, we're good enough this has not been a flop then we hook these the, the the bull was jumping out of the water like you've never seen it's it uh, that we landed them is amazing and oh my the kids were freaking out uh we hooked a wahoo which took out about 400 yards of drag on this reel, just for 30 seconds. And we were fighting it and it came off. But it was the experience that, um, that I've always, I mean, it was experience, I've never had an experience like that before. It was absolutely incredible. And even the stuff that, you know, didn't go so good, you know, here, here look at this. This is classic. I call it taxation without representation. Got the gap. Kids hauling in the right, fish. The kid would have had no chance of reeling in. The kid would have had no chance of reeling in one of those big ones. Okay, we're gonna skip right, ahead here. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so hold on, check this out. Kingfish, but it's it's a little less than it was before. It's a mini wahoo. Oh, it happened. It happened. Something ate it. Oh, who did that to our fish? How did? What happened there? Wait until you see the, the oh tooth mark. Look at, the, look at those look teeth at marks. Okay, that's crazy. So uh, I call that taxation without representation. It's a metaphor of life, by the way. We are the fish and the, sh- the government is the shark in the water. They just, want, they just want a piece of everything that we have. Or we're the fishermen. The government is the shark and our livelihoods are the fish. Okay, now I feel like I, I, just, I was literally just watching Billy Madison and I feel like I'm... Uh, so we, 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 even when it went badly... You know, we lost that fish. We lost the Wahoo. But what um, an amazing, real Floridian fishing. Uh, fantastic. And then what was I going to say? Oh, the Wahoo that got off the And the fish was delicious. We had the kingfish. We had the mahi-mahi. And we had, um, we caught a, 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 what they call a porker of a porgy. Porgy. A very fat, juicy, beautiful porgy as well. Delicious. The lobster of the sea. Okay, now as Barnes is in the backdrop, let me see one thing here. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the rumble rants afterwards. Everything is good all around. You have the link to YouTube, so get your butts over there because we're going to end. Uh, sorry, you have the link to Rumble. We're going to end on YouTube in seven or eight minutes. Robert, you good to come in? Oh, he's fixing his tie. Booyah. Sir, how goes the battle? Good, good. Okay, Robert, now I'm going to ask you because I noticed it. You got a new book over your shoulder. What book is it? Uh, it's a little uh, shout out to Dave Rubin. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're still on Kerry Lake's side here, uh, Dave. Uh, good, good luck to you. <laughs> The, uh, you know, the uh, Carrie Lake's great book, Unafraid, uh, which uh, is out that people can get. And uh, she was at the uh, debate where we were at that we uh, she had to endure it along with us. Uh, the 
I guess we should probably still keep a secret that uh, Dave Rubin pri- privately confessed that uh, he's on the wrong side and he's <laughs> waiting to come back to the Trump side. The uh, but uh, For, uh, I should say, but Robert, not everyone might know. Everyone might not know about the what the beef between Carrie Lake and, and Dave Rubin. Now, Rubin accused Carrie Lake of all, he. I think the word he used is lying. I'll say at the very least, there is discussion to be had because Carrie Lake was on. It was on Patrick Bet David as well, right? And then she said, I mean, Patrick Bet David. Yeah, yeah, she was on Patrick Bet. And David, then she yes. said that um, DeSantis shut down the beaches uh, in Florida, closed the bar- nightclubs, and Dave Rubin. And I, just, I want everyone to understand. I love Dave Rubin. I, 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 the only reason I'm not chiming in on Twitter is because it just gets misunderstood too easily. Rubin tweeted out, "This is a lie. You need to push back on it." Uh, DeSantis never shut down the beaches in Florida. And I want to come in there and say it's a little bit nuanced because he did in March or April 2020 say gatherings of no more than 10 on beaches. He did shut down the nightclubs for a little bit and bars. So whether or not she oversold the shutting down of the beaches, it's not as simple as saying he never did anything because he did restrict uh, free movement on open beaches, if only for a short period of time. I don't want to get involved in the fight. Ruben called her a liar for lying about DeSantis, and then she unfollowed him on Twitter and apparently said, don't take it personally. And Ruben is not going to not take that personally, so he made a funny joke online. But, uh, Robert, who's who's right in that battle? You know, I, I've told the DeSantis camp for a while, people wanted me to sue DeSantis. Uh, people forget DeSantis, through much of the 2020, had basically the same position as Trump. I know DeSantis fans don't want to recognize that. <clears throat> I lived through it, so I remember it very well. So when De- when Trump was better on the pandemic, DeSantis was generally better on the pandemic. When Trump was bad on the pandemic, DeSantis was generally bad on the pandemic. It was in 2021 that DeSantis, in uh, late 2021, uh, the I mean, DeSantis had his own version of Fauci there in Florida. One of the great myths that DeSantis people push is that he fired him. Uh, no, he didn't. He extended him all the way through to late 2021. Um, uh, and DeSantis was mostly saying pro-Fauci things through large parts of 2020, unfortunately, and was he promoted the vaccine far more than Trump ever did. He What, what he gets credit for, deservedly, is two things, siding with Trump towards the end of 2020 and reopening the state. He didn't fully reopen until September of 2020, for those that don't remember. And but credit to him for doing so, because he got a lot of criticism for The New York Times and a lot of other places for it. And then in 2021, late 2021, he hired a great surgeon general and he turned course and rejected the vaccine in ways Trump should have done. So those are things DeSantis deserves credit for. But there's a lot of myth making out there uh, of trying to relitigate the pandemic. And in my view, as Steve Dace even admitted when I was on his show, nobody gets a lot of credit uh, on either political party side or the Trump or DeSantis side for how the pandemic was handled in 2020, at least from my perspective. Uh, it was me and Alex Jones initially. <laughs> we were up against everybody. Steve Bannon was screaming for lockdowns. Jack Posobiec was cheering on lockdowns. Mike Cernovich, he he changed uh, midway through, but he wasn't I, great. You know, well, I, large I, I, part, Scott Adams was, go vaccine. Jordan Peterson, go vaccine. Ben Shapiro, go. That's the other problem I have is that some of the people that are big DeSantis fans right now, they were some of the worst during the pandemic, like Ben Shapiro. You know, put on the mask. Remember, I mean, hey, I love Dr. Peterson, but he said just shut up and take the vaccine. He is, I, I give credit for all these people's willingness to reverse and recognize they were wrong. But the only major national political figure that was really right early 
on the pandemic was Bobby Kennedy, uh, who came out in April on Patrick Bet David's show. Uh, we got a chance to meet him out, out there at the uh, debate, which was, you know, like I said, the first debate was like putting your head in a vice and just going to seeing how it works. The second one was like double that. It, it, well, we're going to we're going to we'll do our, our review of it afterwards. But um, who was the first uh, the first Surgeon General in Florida before uh, I forget his name now? The, the original one was, by the way, one that uh, DeSantis actually appointed was a huge Fauci fan and was all for lockdowns and a bunch of stuff like where there's still critics is there are people in Florida are unhappy about how DeSantis not only handled it early, but at stages he let a lot of Democratic cities do a lot of crazy stuff. He was still talking about shutting down bars and restaurants in the summer over uh, how many people they let, let in. He was inconsistent on masks. Uh, again, he deserves credit for reversal when he did. It's just there's this fantasy land version that he was always standing up against. Actually, you know, there are eight states that never issued the lockdown orders that DeSantis issued that he kept in place all the way up until the fall of 2020 in part. And so I get for people that moved to Florida, experienced the hor- like Ruben did, the horrors of California. Florida was definitely a lot better than California. But the but Trump and DeSantis mostly were in sync. Uh, really until mid-2021, when DeSantis started to flip on all of it, started to, uh, you know, change the Surgeon General, uh, you know, the, the that's and change his position on the vaccine, opened up a grand jury. But what I've been telling people is rather than trying to relitigate the pandemic, which is not going to be a long-term successful strategy anyway, in case they haven't figured that out yet, with him sinking to third and fourth in some surveys, uh, do use the power of the governorship. You know, I mean, he has a tool that Trump does not have, that almost none of the other candidates have. He is a current governor with actual power. Rather than running around on book deals and campaigning in Iowa and elsewhere, uh, go, you know, go use your power as governor in Florida and deliver on that grand jury that you promised that was going to investigate Pfizer and Moderna for illegal behavior in Florida. That that would be a that would be his most useful tool to boost his candidacy. But who that would conflict with is a lot of his current big donors mm-hmm. who wanted that to be nice show for the press and the headlines, but don't want it to do anything. And I can tell you, as of now, they have done nothing. Uh, you know, Brooke Jackson is one of the key witnesses in that. To my knowledge, they haven't even reached out to her. So, you know, the DeSantis is, is not helping himself and he's toward, it's, it's a kamikaze campaign anyway. But uh, if for all the DeSantis supporters out there, if you, if, you know, are, uh, advocate for him to use his power now to make a difference with where the power he has, rather than re-arguing 2020 over and over again. Yeah, and I also just think it's not good to be fighting among friends, even if it's just political banter and you take it, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But Robert, just so that nobody thinks I'm making stuff up, this is the, exa- the Ron DeSantis website. The date is March 17, 2020. Bars and nightclubs under the direction of Governor DeSantis, all bars and nightclubs throughout Florida will close for the next 30 days. Yada, yada. The beaches. The governor is directing parties accessing public beaches in the state of Florida to follow the center, the CDC guidance, limiting their gatherings to no more than 10 persons. So for 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 Carrie Lake to come out and say he shut down the beaches, that's just a question of interpretation in terms of restricting movement. Okay, he said limited to, to 10 as per the CDC guidelines, which I think were don't gather regardless. So is that is that a lie? Is it a lie worth fighting over? And it is a lie. It is a is it a lie worth um 
I don't know, breaking political alliances, because what's going to happen is DeSantis is not going to be the nominee. Trump will be. And will have used, will you have said too many things to take back in terms of saying, OK, now I go and support the candidates. Yeah. Plus, I like how many people want to join these kamikaze campaigns. So the because uh, that's what they are. So, you know, I don't think it's the best idea. Uh, you know, we have been we've uh, been saying that from the very beginning, from very early on when the, the writing was clear. Uh, so the but uh, Carrie Lake's a, a rising national figure uh, that she's on the right side a lot more often than not. And also, if I was in the DeSantis camp, I wouldn't make Carrie Lake my adversary. I just don't think that looks good. I don't think that sells well. I mean, I, you'd think at some point when his his numbers are going down and down and down, people would get the message. But some folks are just too emotionally committed. I think invested in him to recognize the counterproductive nature of their current campaign. All right, now, Robert, uh, I made a joke on Twitter that we've already been demonetized on YouTube, so to hell with you. Oh, we're back on, we're back on now. It's so ridiculous. I think I, I do think I may have dropped a few too many shit bombs when I'm talking about Steve Schmidt. Robert, before we go on to Rumble, well, we'll just get everything started there in two minutes. The link is in the, in the pinned thing in the chat. What is this thing about Steve Schmidt, the Lincoln Project, and underage boys? Oh well, you, you yeah, you missed your chance to ask Carl Rowe about that <laughs> when you're out there. But the uh, uh, the that'd been fun, uh, you know. That that would have been a more viral moment than anything that came out of the debate. The uh, uh, is it, you know, uh, Viva Fry Canadian challenges Carl Rowe outside. The uh, but uh, uh, you know the yeah. So Steve Schmidt's background is he was a John McCain guy. He was one of the key people, along with what's her name, who's now on MSNBC who sabotaged Sarah Palin's vice presidential bid. I mean, while they're supposed to be working for them. So uh, Steve, that's Steve Schmidt's MO, modus operandi. He's just a grifter looking for the next check he can get. And he initially was kind of pro-Trump in certain respects because he thought that would line his pockets. Then he realized being anti-Trump would line his pocket. The guy has no moral principles of any kind, never has. Anybody associated with what happened to Sarah Palin, where they were deliberately undermining her. I mean, these were her consultants hired by McCain, spent the entire fall bashing her to the press and leaking negative information about her to the press because they see populism as a greater threat to their grifting than anything else. Um, but once he realized he wasn't going to be able to get on the Trump train in a way that would line his pockets, he became an obsessive anti-Trumper. Uh, he knew that would get him a lot of media gigs. Uh, and he knew that would get checks from dumb donors. And that's what the Lincoln group really was. I mean, they're, they're all full of hustlers and grifters. A percentage of them are war whores. Um, the, but, you know, Schmidt, Schmidt could care less. Schmidt's solely there to who, who's going to line his pockets. I mean, that whole debate was like a, uh, uh, a, a, a brothel advertisement for the military industrial complex. And it turns out that the queen of the hoes is uh, uh, neocon Nikki Haley herself. <laughs> I don't know, but they're all competing for it. It's a, yeah, it was a tough one between her and Pence. If Ukraine yeah. falls, or you then you can throw in Christie. And I mean, I mean, it was just they were all insane, insane on it. Credit to DeSantis, who at least said common sense words that they and of effect that we we got to get out of there. But the uh, and now trying to make it is somehow to be we have to fight Russia because in order to fight China, though fighting Russia actually hurts our effort to fight China. These people couldn't think their way out of a out of a paper bag. But the uh, so Schmidt well, was part of the group that joined the Lincoln group, just a huge grifter group. But unsurprisingly, it had people, uh, key people amongst them, John Kasich advisors, others 
who have been uh, who Carl Rove has known for more than a decade, uh, were involved in grooming and underage and young, uh, you know, solicitation of uh, of young men uh, for sexual activities. And so the uh, Carl Rove kept that secret for a while. It finally came out uh, that Steve Schmidt's buddies were doing this. Schmidt has never honestly fully come to terms with it. But it's who these people are. I mean, that they're, they're the bottom of the barrel. They're part of the problem with the country. Uh, and they represent that. And in fact, I mean, the response of the ordinary Republican to that debate is the response to the, the Steve Schmitz of the world in general, which is they want nothing to do with these people. I mean, the only people that have any future out of that, DeSantis, maybe, if he doesn't torch it entirely between now and Election Day, primary day, uh, and Vivek, uh, who's running on a Trumpian platform. The, the others are done. Mike Pence is done. Tim Scott, if anybody had any illusion that he was useful, they realized no. Uh, you know, Neil Connicki is, is, is going to get the board gigs and the publishing gigs and the media gigs and the university professorial gigs. She's never going to be in the White House. And if any other than DeSantis or Rivek, any of those other candidates, I would not vote for, period, ever. I don't care who their opponent is. Uh, there's not a chance in hell I'd vote for these people. Well, I mean, they, would get us in, they would be George W. Bush part two. It'd be war and economic collapse. I think Bergam is is acceptable. Oh, Bergam is okay. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I mean he, he actually did the best of the debate. It's not going to matter because he can't get above one percent, and he doesn't placate the Murdoch crowd, so they won't boost him. Uh, and I, I I gave my assessment of the of the debate on Friday's show. Uh, an absolute I mean, joke. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the uh, you know it was fun with Luke Kritkowski being out there and. Uh, uh, and meet and you know meeting up with the, the Rumble crews doing a good job out there you know the uh, presenting it uh, the the nicest people I thought there were the people who work at the Reagan Library credit to all of them the volunteers they were very Reagan esque that in, that combination of kind of an older uh, definition of America like a 1950s view of America sort of patriotic and optimistic despite you know the what would seem like difficult circumstances to most people they're just they're always cheery. Doesn't matter what happens. Uh, that, that was Reagan. It was like somehow his volunteers are just like him. All the people were all they're cheery, they were nice, they were friendly, they were sociable. The 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 crowd inside, all those donors and grifters felt- and political class people. I mean, I made a joke that somebody, this is probably gonna get us into trouble, but I'll go ahead. <laughs> I was like, you know, the if there was any place for a mass shooter, uh, that people wouldn't regret, you know, if that was one of them. Um, I was just like, these people are, are a waste of space. To, I, I can't even stand being in the physical presence of 90%. It, of it, it, there was a dirty feel to it. And I mean, like spiritually dirty. I had never actually been in uh, Milwaukee. You know, there were 6,000, I don't know, five, 6,000 people. You're in a crowd, you're with people. Here it was like, not rubbing elbows because I wasn't talking to anybody, but you, you see these people and you understand what's going on. It was smarmy. It, it felt dirty being there. Um, and yeah, that, you know, yeah. I've been, you know, I think you could go to a uh, an Indian brothel or or or, or a, an arms uh, runner get together and feel you're around more moral people than what what, what that crowd was like. Oh, uh, there was one thing about that debate that was interesting. Yeah, so the walk around with um, with uh, Luke Rudkowski was fantastic. Uh, then we, uh, there was the same security guard who kept on, you know, catching me, telling me I shouldn't have been where I was. I I, I started from the top of the mountain. I, I thought it was a roundabout because I saw cars parked up there. Turns out it was a helipad and uh, ordinarily not open to the public. And so then I'm walking down and then we were looking at the uh, uh, the F, what is it, the um, stealth bomber in the back. But this was as the candidates were coming up. So that security guard's like, guys, get out of here. These are the candidates. And 
it was a joke. It was a, it was an absolute joke. It made everybody look bad. I still like Vivek, but it was clear that he didn't have his best night, and they were coming gunning for him for his China connect- superficial stuff. I'd like to know what Haley's and Nikki Haley's China connections are. A bunch of hypocrites accusing him of what they do. All right, uh, let's end this on YouTube uh, while we're while we're on the subject. Come on over to Rumble, people. Oh, that was what I was going to say. Here's the vlog of my, uh, it's a 15 minute vlog of my two and a half days in, in California. It includes the day of the event, but you know, a life vlog. So check that out on Rumble. Now we're ending on YouTube and we're going to get on with the show. Before we do it, Robert, what's the menu for the evening? And then we go to YouTube. Rumble. We had 12 topics for tonight's show on Rumble and we got a few bonus topics for the after party exclusively on Locals. And if you have a question, make sure you you can tip at Locals, $5 or more. We'll try to answer every single one of them at vivabarneslaw.locals.com. The 12 topics tonight, we have Democrats setting off fire alarms that they thought was uh, an exit exit sign. Uh, We got big uh, food and farm reform bills going through Congress. Great efforts by Thomas Massey. Uh, Amazon sued for being a monopoly. Uh, Supreme Court, two major cases that they took up uh, this past week, including the Texas and Florida bills to try to stop social media censorship and standing in the test cases about when do you have the right to sue when you're testing something out to prove it's illegal. Uh, Trump uh, is the top topic voted on tonight by the board. And that's primarily his New York civil suit, but there's also news in his D.C. case and suing Christopher Steele. Uh, but the Bodega, wrongfully prosecuted Bodega, suing the New York D.A. for his racially discriminatory patterns. Biden's impeachment inquiry commences. What would make it constitutional? The Second Amendment in California and Maryland. Trans laws from Tennessee and Kentucky get approved by the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. A abortion ban upheld against the Biden administration's attempt to claim that federal law mandates abortion accessibility. Michigan election lawsuit uh, that raises some old issues uh, that would go to the 2024 election. The uh, Tupac, uh, the, finally, they arrested somebody almost 20 years later, in the, or I mean, more than 20 years later, in the, uh, set, the, uh, the death here uh, in Vegas. And some bonus topics exclusive to the after party. Robert Francis Kennedy Jr. Can he run as an independent? Is that what he's going to announce on October 9th? Eric what is Hun- the impact? Yeah, well, and Eric Hundley and I are are openly disagreeing, but I, I told him not, neither of us have any hard feelings. He thinks it's going to uh, siphon some of the uh, Republican vote, and I think it's going to hurt the Democrats more. Robert, I'm going to defer to your assessment, even if I stubbornly stick to mine, but we'll talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll give some of the assessment of that and what some of the backstory may be. Uh, who the heck is the governor of Arizona, since that's about, actually managed to get confusing last week? Uh, when is the uh, groomer label not liable? Uh, California is trying to impose mileage limits on your car, wants to track your car. I mean, that's the, some of the nuttiness coming out of California. And a lawsuit involving Better Call Saul and Liberty Tax Service. I have questions about this, Robert, because I... I have questions about it. We'll get there. Okay. Ending on YouTube. Get your butts over to Rumble. The link is in the pinned comment, but it's Viva Fry on Rumble. Ending in five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Closing it down here. Let's make sure that we're good. And how many are we? We're over 15,000 already on Rumble. Magnificent. Uh, What's topic number one? I got to pull up my email with this. Oh, it's the Democratic fire alarm. Oh, Robert. Okay. Do, Do we need to see the picture? So, Okay. They're voting on uh, whether or not to uh, the spending bill, which would avert a government shutdown. Um, 
the accusations now are that the Democrats are the ones who are trying to delay the vote so that there is a shutdown. I thought they were criticizing the Republicans for that last week, saying that they're playing you know, hostage with, with Americans. Um, apparently, there was a stopgap, a stopgap pay vote going on. And if it got through, there'd be an extension to averting the shutdown. And Jamal Bowman, for those of you who don't know, he was in the news for, I think it was him who, who, who had something of a, uh, accosted someone um, with some questioning in the hallway. I think that was him. I may be mistaken. Either way, the dude, not apparently, pulled the fire alarm, which then evacuated the building, caused delays, but apparently they still got the vote in anyhow, and was accused immediately of having broken the law and tried to interfere with uh, official congressional proceedings. He says his explanation is, I pulled the fire alarm because I thought it was an it would open a locked door because I was in a rush to go vote. I wasn't trying to delay anything. I was trying to get there fast and I couldn't open the door and I thought this thing that's a fire alarm would open the door. I don't know if he thought by sounding the fire alarm it would unlock the door. That's what I think is his explanation. Not that he thought it was a lever to open a door. Um, just a few questions for the context. The government shutdown, are we, we're going to get to that in a second, or this is part and parcel of this. What, what, what's the issue right now in terms of why they might not have, why they, the government might have to shut down? I mean, basically, they didn't want the vote to occur, so he put on the fire alarm to delay the vote. And uh, according to the Biden administration, that's obstruction of an official proceeding that belongs 20 years in federal prison. Uh, you can guarantee, like they keep saying, no one's above the law unless you're a Biden, a Clinton a Democratic congressman, a Democratic protester, or any other Democratic aligned group or individual, then you're all above the law. So, I mean, it's such, it's so Orwellian, their, their, their perversion of phraseology. And this is just the latest example of, it. this is the congressman that went nuts on Congressman Massey earlier in the year. I mean, the guy's clearly a little bit kooky. And uh, Congressman Jamal Bowman, the, this is uh, this is a tweet that he had, and I believe it's about Trump. I don't have the date on it. Yeah, no one, no one in this country is above the law, except, except for him. <laughs> so the his his excuse has got to be the dumbest excuse ever. Uh, the idea that pulling a fire alarm he confused with opening doors. Well, uh, no, but as, like, he didn't as know I, that somebody had said fire alarm. Don't pull unless fire. Meant it was a fire alarm. No, but now, now that I say it out loud, maybe I'm thinking his explanation is the door was locked and I, and I thought by pulling the fire alarm, it would automatically unlock the door. Well, why would it do that? Well, because I mean, like, it... you need to get out of the building and it's a fire, so you, you hit it and then the doors become unstuck. There's some places that have, they say- he, you know... It wasn't to get out of the building, it was to get into a building, <laughs> according to him. Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, the, the guy's a liar, a fa uh, obvious liar. It's an obvious lie that, uh, you know, weak effort. And, and here's the irony. While he is going to face no consequences whatsoever for his attempt to obstruct proceedings, the uh, Speaker McCarthy is secretly working with the Biden administration to do what a majority of Republicans in the House said not to do. And Senator J.D. Vance and Senator Rand Paul leading the efforts not to do no more money to Ukraine. I mean, the Ukraine Minister of Defense bought like, what was it, seven mansions or something? He, he was like, hey, I did my job. I'm out of here now. He resigned Minister of Defense, you know, killed a couple hundred thousand of my own fellow citizen, Ukrainian uh, civilians, many of them drafted and forced into the war in between arresting priests and opposing press and opposing members of the uh, uh, political parties. Uh, and he was buying mansions all around the world. I mean, it, it's the biggest grift pit of maybe of all time. 
So the and it's just one that also endangers the whole world's peace with World War III. While the Brits are talking about escalating and sending in British soldiers, and the Germans are talking about escalating, it's just insanity all all around it. And so Senator Vance and Senator Paul led the effort in the Senate, saying no more money. And the Democrats were willing to shut down the country to fund Ukraine. Now, that should have been the talking point for Republicans. A majority of Republicans in the House have now agreed no more funding for Ukraine. So the, it's only the Democrats that are keeping it alive. McCarthy agreed no more funding for Ukraine, but according to the Biden administration, cut a secret deal to provide money. And that's what the Bowman stunt was all about. It's all about money for Ukraine. It's not about keeping the government open or closed. It's not about, uh, I mean, essential services keep going anyway. So people think the government's closed. We've been through this now several times. You don't lose your Social Security checks. No no basic services go missing. You know, it, it's a lot of people. You realize when the government shuts down how much we don't need everybody who shut down. Because you're like, nothing in my life is worse now. In fact, usually it's better. You know, put some IRS people on furlough. <laughs> that's good for everybody. So the uh, So that's really what's, you know, but the backstory, it's all about Ukraine. It's all about Schumer and McConnell and Biden and apparently in secret McCarthy, who, while Bowman will face no consequences, because Matt Gates is raising this issue with Marjorie Taylor Greene in the House, there's now talk that he's going to try to get the Ethics Committee to recommend expulsion. So they're going to try to expel Matt Gates instead. That's how insane and divorced from reality the political leadership is in Washington. They're almost, they're, well, they are, as divorced from reality and as morally deformed as those people we hung out with at the uh, the people we got to sit in, uh, uh, around it in the audience with the uh, Republican debate. Robert, I'll just bring this up so that people understand this, talking about the, the funding for Ukraine. The war has also impacted Ukraine's financial standing, with the country's economy contracting by an estimated 31% last year. Yada, yada. The U.S. government is subsidizing small businesses in Ukraine, including Tatiana Abramova's knitwear company, to keep it afloat. Uh, what, what else is there? Um, government- they're paying salary. They're, they're, we are basically paying Ukraine. I think on average they estimated $232 million a day the U.S. government has given to Ukraine to fight this stupid, Five- dumb, counterproductive, dangerous war. 5% of the military budget. Where, where was it? It's 5% of the military budget is going to Ukraine. Here we go. The U.S. has spent just over $43 billion since Russia invaded. I thought it was, I thought they were at 135, but maybe that's loans or whatever. That's the equivalent to about 5% of the defense oh, budget. That was, what was that, Tim Scott, who said that? And it was like, loans, how are they going to get paid back? It, when the Russians come in and take it over, do you, you think Vlad's going to pay back the bill? No, it's like, it's like I, I, thought it, I thought they were, I didn't think, I didn't know it was an investment. I mean, I, when they said it was an investment in freedom, I didn't, I didn't know they meant an actual financial investment. And in which case, what's up with that? Who, who, what is the actual purpose of this war? So that Russia can own Ukraine or America? Yeah, less political freedom in Ukraine than almost any nation in the world. Less religious freedom than almost any nation in the world. Less speech freedom than almost any nation in the world. Less press freedom than almost any nation in the world. And their kids are being dragged out of their homes and threatened with deportation if they live in another country to go die on the front lines in a needless, useless, counterproductive war. It's um, you have heard that they've apparently started conscripting women now, 18 to 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're going to drag the women to the front lines now. It's amazing for, for the accusations. And, you know, if I could have if I could have my response to Konstantin Kissin that I would have had where he accused Russia of wanting to expand into Ukraine, when they t- when you talk about it as an investment in Ukraine so that you can own the resources and you can get paid back on your investment, who is it exactly that is trying to own Ukraine and all of this? And the other thing is like the 
Trump's position on China is always the reasonable one, which is they're an economic competitor has used unfair trade advantages because of the Bush administration's WTO policies to disadvantage American manufacturing. We should not be thinking about waging war against China. That's one of the dumbest things on the planet. And yet that's what all of them were up there talking about at the debate that night. So it's about we've been co-opted by a deep state with functional control of the American government. And we're just seeing it in live time against the interest of the American people. And this latest uh, uh, illustration with the Democrat fire alarm and the budget issues and the debate all wrap up into the same conclusion. The deep state has to be overthrown if, if democracy is going to survive here at home or we're ever going to have peace abroad. Well, speaking of dis- deep state, a deep state and the government controlling everything, food reform, Robert, um, what's going on? So uh, Thomas uh, Massey, once again, you know, you know, I, you know Massey, you know, I don't always agree with Massey. I know other people don't, but Massey is one of our greatest leaders in Congress by a long mile, a uh, true freedom fighter across the board. And the as to the national security state, as to war uh, and as to food, especially his prime act bill is going is currently being debated in the House. There was efforts to two very dangerous efforts by the Biden administration. One was to uh, to get rid of herd share arrangements and the other was to stick vaccines into our food. Trans uh, I think it's called trans edible vaccines or something, some crazy thing. So they were going to try to vaccinate us against our will or our knowledge through food. And uh, the herd share agreements are how people get direct products from the farmer. So the uh, now legally, they've all, the government has long contested the enforceability of these herd share agreements. Uh, but for the moment, they haven't litigated it aggressively. There was a movement afoot in the U.S. Department of Agriculture to completely ban them. And these herd share agreements are basically where you go to, you want you want your meat or you want your milk from a particular farmer. And so what you do is you agree to be a part owner of it. And by being a part owner, uh, that's a herd share. Yeah. And by being a part owner, you're exempt from a range of federal laws. Now, again, the U.S. government takes a different view and it views that you're not really exempt from those laws unless you strictly meet certain limitations of the herd share agreement. And most herd share agreements out there need to be written in a lot better way. But the USDA was trying to get rid of it entirely so that you could never uh, be able to buy food directly from such farmers uh, under a herd share structure. And Thomas Massey led the effort in the House to defund that, say if you can't spend a single penny, a nickel, dime, or dollar enforcing such a rule. And it passed the House. So, again, credit to Thomas Massey recognizing the problem and taking aim at it right away. He also recognized the danger of these sticking vaccines in our food, defunded that, also got a successful vote on that. And his Prime Act is a great bill that really unleashes food freedom and farmer freedom in America to the greatest degree it's been in the last half century. And it it is still being debated through the House. And it would be a beautiful piece of legislation if it gets through. And once again, he's taken the lead in ways that no one else, frankly, consistently has. So uh, people support Congressman Massey and support what he's doing in that area because it's essential to all of our freedoms. Uh, Probably a good, uh, not on the subject matter, but any updates in Amos Amos Miller's uh, situation? Well, this would all impact. If If they were allowed to enforce a ban on herd sharing, then that alternative would no longer be even available to his customers. 
And if you know they were trying to force you to more more chemical, this is where the whole point is. Amos Miller of refuses to use certain chemicals on his food, and that's why the U.S. Department of Agriculture continues to block his efforts to sell meat, certain meats, to his customer base. Now they have approved a allowing him to sell other people's meats to his customer base, and we're going to see how that works. And he's going to. Uh, locate the meat that is the safest of that available meat. It's still USDA regulated meat, but uh, the the USDA claims that there's a whole bunch of provisions that have the least chemical problems or controversies. Well, we're going to find test that out, see whether that's true or not true. Uh, so we have achieved that part, but the ultimate objective so that, that people can buy everything. I mean, right now they can buy a bunch uh, from Amos Miller, Amos Miller Organic Farm, dot com uh, that you can get from them. But, you know, the USDA has made it as difficult as possible for him. And so the right now he can there's a bunch he can sell. There's a bunch he's trying to be able to sell. Uh, but the ultimate solution uh, requires uh, real food freedom in America, which was going to require legislative reform, uh, part of which is in this uh, bill. So this bill directly impacts, obviously, him. But the uh, it also impacts everybody because it's. You're right to decide what goes in your body rather than the government. Well, but Robert, they don't know better. Everything when it's governed by big government regulations is better, except it's not. There was the documentary on Netflix called, was it, it wasn't called Poisoned. I think that was, um, no, I think it was called Poisoned about how, you know, the, the, the biggest problems and outbreaks that you have are at these massive facilities, not on the smaller, you know, farmer to individual scale. And as we discovered in the pandemic, you can suddenly have price shocks because we have de facto monopolies in the meat industry. Meat in, I mean, uh, in poultry and meat. And uh, there's a bunch, yeah, you, there, there's still certain meats that are exempt from coverage. Certain things like uh, water buffalo, some other things like some of that you can order direct from Amos Miller. Um, but, the, uh, but a lot of stuff you can't. I mean, imagine if we got to the point where when you went out fishing and brought all those fish back, the government says, no, you can't eat them unless they go to a fish factory first. I mean, that, that, that's the insane. It's basically big agriculture has taken over the government and they're in business and in bed with the deep state. And it puts not only our food choice at issue, it puts our food security at issue. Yeah, they would, they would prohibit me from giving some of those fish fillets to neighbors in the neighborhood. Um, all right. Very interesting. I, I like I like Massey and I don't know very much about him, but I've, you know, I've discovered him late. And recently, but seems like an amazing. Uh, he's from a great town, Covington, Kentucky, oh. a town that I'm familiar with. Uh, all right, now, so speaking of one government monopoly to another, FTC suing Amazon for uh, monopoly unfair. I don't know if it's unfair business practices, monopolistic practices, and it's an interesting thing. I, I read the actual um, FTC filing. Uh, so they say there's going after them for monopolistic behaviors, but not on the basis that Amazon is a monopoly, but abusing of its power to basically impact the market, to deter competition, to artificially inflate prices by, for example, I didn't know that they do this. It's, it's glorious to sell stuff on Amazon. If you sell something at a lower price than what Amazon uh, you know, favored companies are selling it at, they bury you in the search results. They make the discovery impossible of other or discoverability of uh, you know, other industries or other companies impossible based on their algorithm. They artificially promote their own preferred uh, customers or their own products. 
So the F, I mean, it's interesting, the FTC is going after them. What conclusions are the FTC uh, or is the FTC seeking from Amazon? It's not going to be a breakup, but what's it going to be? Uh, to stop all those practices. And then a bunch of state attorney generals joined it. So the, I mean, one of the better appointees that, uh, uh, that Biden had was, an, was a person who's good on antitrust issues and monopoly issues to the FTC. And this is a good FTC action taken joining all the state attorney generals. Most of the state uh, attorney generals are Republican state attorney generals. But what people don't realize is like it's like, how does Uber continue to get good stock valuations when it never makes money? Because its entire model is built on building a monopoly. <clears throat> That's what big tech has really done. I mean, the the lawsuit that Rumble has against Google uh, is exposing that on a regular basis and will continue to expose it. That you dig into these businesses and their entire business model is to recreate Standard Oil from the and the big trust of the late 19th, late 20th century, late 1900s uh, that led to our first antitrust and consumer practice protection laws and the like. Their goal is, is entirely, so how does Uber exist? Uber's entire premise is they will put everybody else out of business by undercutting them on prices. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as they get a monopoly, they're going to double and triple those prices and then and screw their own workers by cutting wages even more. So the that that's I mean, it, it's not a productive, healthy model for the future of free enterprise. A free market depends on competition. These are anti free market protocols. This is where there's a big gap between the populist right and the corporatist right. Jim Jordan, sadly, is often on the corporatist right, especially when it comes to big tech. Benji Shapiro is deeply in bed with the corporatist right. We saw that in the Republican debate. Here you have a major UAW strike. And where's Donald Trump? And rather than being at the debate, he's there talking to those striking workers up in Michigan because he understands it. Where's Josh Hawley? Where's J.D. Vance? Josh Hawley's out on the picket line with him. Where uh, J.D. Vance is in support of him. Because what's happening with those workers is they're getting screwed because of the Biden administration's favoritism of green uh, energy alternatives that are not economically productive and that ultimately are unnecessary environmentally. And so these workers are getting shafted by a lot of the raw uh, materials, raw earth materials. A lot of the original uh, batteries and other production is done in low cost countries, whether it's China or low cost non-unionized areas. And that's why the workers are getting hit. And that's why they're striking. That was a perfect opportunity. Uh, and yet I think it was only the governor of North, uh, North Dakota who did it, who said anything about it at the debate. The rest, uh, you know, they were trying to figure out how they could be anti-union without sounding ridiculously anti-union. Ben Shapiro was happy to tell everybody how much he hates unions, including the United Auto Workers. And people think a Benji Shapiro candidate type candidate would do well in the industrial Midwest. What are you smoking, people? The, uh, there's a reason why working class Northerners don't trust the Republican Party. They're a bunch of country club corporatists. And no better example in the law than on antitrust, because it has been the corporatist right, going back to Bork and others, frankly, who gutted antitrust law and, and made it so that it's almost uh, impossible to enforce because they think monopolies are just fine. And a lot of them are in bed financially with those monopolies. And that's anti-free market. True free markets believes in the little guy, believes in competition, believes in a free market. And that means you don't get to be a monopoly. And so the and you don't get to abuse. And the idea that some people, oh, they, they're a monopoly just because they're the best in the business. Nobody who has studied these business practices or the history of monopoly 
could believe something that stupid. Well, and reading the Amazon FTC versus Amazon and how you know Amazon's modus operandi, it did make me immediately think of Rumble's claim against Google. Google uh, has the largest search engine on earth. It also has the largest video hosting platform on earth. What does it do in its search engine? When you look for something, it refers you to its search results in YouTube. So much so that something could have been on Rumble only and the search results the search results would direct to something unrelated on YouTube or it could be reposted onto YouTube and it won't go to the original source it'll go to YouTube and lo and behold it screws uh, rumble out of traffic out of ad revenue and lo and behold it's they use one monopoly to benefit their other monopoly and it sounds exactly like what Amazon is doing for search results absolutely i mean and, and they do it at multiple levels they do it in their contracts they do it what's called illegal tie-ins they leverage the, they get a monopoly in one space and then they leverage that monopoly to create a monopoly in multiple other spaces. It's what Google did. So, you know, with, with Android and said, oh, yeah, this will be great. We'll make it open source. And so a bunch of people put their apps on Google. Oh, by the way, you can't remove Google Store anymore. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, you need to be able to be on Google Store in order for anybody to get your app. So, oh, and by the way, you're going to have to pay us a percent. And so the these are <clears throat> the all of these big businesses in the modern big tech age are the new big trust of the 21st century that were uh, in the, uh, that were set up in such a way that uh, mirror what happened at the end of the 19th century and early 20th century. And it was the populist wing of the Republican Party, Teddy Roosevelt and others, that led the effort against those monopolies, recognizing that they are a danger to freedom, free markets, free enterprise, free society, free civilization. No better example of that then what is happening in the social media space, uh, which the Supreme Court took up two big cases this week. Okay, before we get there, because I don't want to fall too far behind. First of all, some of you might be asking what I'm drinking. None of your business. The question is, what am I drinking it out of? I'm drinking it out of the Mugshot mug glass, and it came out of the Mugshot shot glass. Hold on, I'll show you, everybody. If you go to vivafry.com, and you can get a piece of history. It, it can be replicated at any point in time, but we did it first and we did it best, Robert. VivaFry.com. Well, I was wearing that shirt, uh, uh, wearing a wanted for president shirt this weekend, and I was winning all my bets. And then <laughs> I took it off and I started losing my bets. So <laughs> it's, a, it's also a lucky shirt. Uh, to, for people out there. Oh, the 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 gambler's logic. Um, but it, it looks good, people, and it feels good. Um, now, what I was going to say before we even get further into this, I haven't done any of the Rumble rants over on Rumble, and I think we might. Have we gotten 20,000 live on Rumble, people? Beautiful. I'll do it fast. Not one breath, but I'll go fast. Kapo Sooth says, even Vivek knows Barnes is wrong about birthright citizenship. Uh, at, what is that? Andres Birchens. Miss Piggy and Millie sitting in a tree selling out the U.S. for the CCP. That's good to the CCP. Ian Max says, what I wish they asked this Muppet, if we play the plan this attack game, how many steps do you get through before you talk about weapons? The right wing went in unarmed. There was no plan or plot. No, it was a, vi it got, it was a riot that got out of hand. Or it was a protest that turned into a riot in certain places. Allowed to because they wanted it. Efforts says, I will get to see PBD on Friday at the Timcast event in Miami. Uh, when is the net Viva and Barnes event, in, the next Viva Barnes event in Florida? And maybe I'm going to try to make it down next weekend for the event. Look at the head of hair, Jelly Antipathy, 
Sean Joe says, Viva Fry, you are the breath of fresh Canadian air. Barnes is a legend, exclamation point. Agreed on both fronts. A six foot four midget. Never shave again, just trim fry. I had to exfoliate. We got a new member. I can't read that. Scanjo is now a monthly supporter. Welcome to the club, Scanjo. Scanjo, they're up there. Jack Flack, DeSantis became the great COVID defender about the time he decided to run for president. Pretty sure dates matter. Now, he, he, was, he, he, he got wise earlier on, but the question is, nobody was perfect, and the question is not to pretend anybody was perfect, because nobody was. Some were better than others, and some got there sooner than others, and they deserved credit in as much as they uh, you know, came to the right decision sooner than later. Six foot four midget, Nikki Haley is a Hillary Clinton of the GOP. Uh, Zod the God says, my international law professor told my class that we should be thanking Zelensky for defending us and that Putin is a Nazi fascist. So I know that an Ivy League doctrine, doctorate is worthless. Jeff Perrion, the Bet David podcast with Kennedy was one of my first red pills of 2020. Power to the podcasters. They want to regulate them in Canada. I'll get there after this. Uh, Lindstrom, oh, cried. Lindstrom says, besides Doug Burgum, does, do anybody really care about feudalism anymore? Retired Greek, no, retired geek. With the announcement from the Canadian government on Friday, do you think Rumble will actually register with the government? And then we got W.D. Adams as a new monthly supporter. I'm going to get to that in a second, retired geek. Ryu Kirito, 01. Amazon isn't just a monopoly online, uh, but they have hands in trucking, warehousing. They also run, I think, 40% of the back on the back of the internet. Going to keep asking you guys to do a sidebar with the council on the future conflict. Screen grab. I think Stan's take would interest you guys. And then we got Alex, Davy Duke. David, thanks for going nuclear on Health Canada, still promoting COVID vax as being safe and effective. But phase three trial isn't complete until December 23rd. What the fuck? Give the vax to children. Criminal. And I agree. Robert, did you hear what they want to do out of Canada? Uh, they want to force any podcast hosting platform that with an annual revenue of more than $10 million to register with the CRTC, the Canadian radio, television, communication, whatever to govern online content. And some people are gonna say, oh, it doesn't apply to small podcasters, blah, blah, blah. If anybody thinks they're gonna stop at revenue of $10 million, you're idiots. They're gonna squeeze the blood there. They're gonna start there so that some people say, oh, it's only 10 million. It's only gonna be Rumble. Uh, uh, what's his, I, I, I presume, um, geez Louise, Rebel News is more than 10 million, post-millennial. Oh, they're coming after everybody. Register so that we can make sure that you're, you know, adequate. And if we don't decide to certify you, whatever that's going to mean, good for you. No okay. Doubt. But speaking of such uh, social media censorship efforts, uh, the, the Texas and Florida laws, uh, the Supreme Court has agreed to take up those cases. Uh, it, it probably enhances them taking the Biden case, uh, the Biden censorship case up as well, all at the same time. Because uh, that, but these are the big cases that are going to govern the ability to limit uh, social media companies' capacity and power to censor, either with collusion of the government uh, or without. So th these were the legislation that was specifically crafted in Florida to uh, stipulate that social media companies and could Texas, not, yeah. and Texas, and um, they were challenged. I forget what the state of them are, but Supreme Court's going to hear them. Is the the decision is going to come down this this sure. uh, yeah? So what, what, but within what are we now September? by april by june okay so uh, the uh and, and for you know this is all about is there a uh first amendment right to censor so the and, and it's a, the fifth circuit uh majority opinion was by far the best decision which explained why it wasn't and that even if it was that it met uh first amendment scrutiny uh the the basically the, what these the texas law said 
It, one, it said only, we only apply to the dominant markets. So we're only applying to people that are the equal to common carriers in the field of communication. So this is, doesn't apply to 99.9% .9 of people that have comment boards or message boards or anything else. It only applies to people that have a de facto monopoly on the digital public square within their space, e.g. Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, Google, uh, Twitter, etc. The second component is all it did is it said they could still ban illegal contact, content. They can ban content categorically if they want. If there's certain content they don't want on, they can just ban it all. They don't want medical advice. They could just say, we ban medical advice. What they can't do is deny service to people based on their viewpoint. If, if you deny service based on their viewpoint, then you can be sued and joined and have to pay attorney's fees. You don't even have to pay uh, damages. It's just we, you have a right to reinstatement and any legal cost you incurred to get reinstated if you were denied service based on viewpoint discrimination. And the, L, the, the big tech apologists, which include people like Jim Jordan, sadly, but uh, almost all the university and legal academy has been bought off by big tech have argued, you know, your David Frenchies of the world and all that, that those kind of types, has been that these big corporations uh, have a right, First Amendment right to censor. And here's the, the problem with that. One, censorship is an action. It's not speech. It's not any act of speech. And then they point out very well in their cert petition, the other in Texas, the main, uh, the main problem with all of this, which is Section 230 exists based on the factual belief and assumption that merely providing a platform that other people talk on doesn't make it your speech. Their speech isn't your speech. If a venue hosts an event, it's not the venue's speech. If a platform hosts an event, hosts speech, it's not their speech. It, Section 230 clarified that based on that saying, you, can't, you, Twitter, cannot be sued for any speech that occurs on your platform. Uh, because it's not your speech. So if it's not your, you, if the users, if providing service doesn't constitute speech, how does denial of service constitute speech? It doesn't. And that's why they should prevail. And the Supreme Court should find that denial of service uh, does not con constitute permissible First Amendment protected activity. I know you've explained it before, and I still refuse to not refuse. I do not understand how they get around this. The whole thing about Section 230 was if we exercise. Um, no, if, to the extent we do not exercise editorial control, we cannot be sued for defamation for all these other things for First Amendment violations. The argument here is we want to exercise editorial control and also not be susceptible of suit under Section 230. I don't understand how this argument is not the very argument that would strip them of Section 230 immunity protection. I know you've explained it. I just don't understand. It should have been, but what happened is courts gutted that part of Section 230 and interpreted Section 230 as just granting immunity without limit. Immunity without limit merely for operating as a platform on the, as a platform. But one consequence that, the, uh, that Texas and Florida are arguing is by definition, that means they cannot be, if providing service is not speech as a congressionally found fact that thus extends immunity to big tech, then denial of service cannot be speech either that has any First Amendment protection. Again, these laws don't impose any limits 
on their ability to put fact checks on things, content warnings on things, any of that. Uh, it only prohibits them from denying service to a user based on that user's viewpoint. When that view, uh, uh, the now if it's denial of service based on categorical prohibitions or illegal conduct, no problem. It's only you can't deny service based, and that was supposed to be in Section 230. Mm -hmm. You know, the, you had to have a good faith basis and all of that. Courts have eviscerated that meaning as well. They've just cowered and kowtowed to big tech. Congress has been so deeply in their pocket, they've refused to reform this. Uh, the, the Biden administration likes it because they use it to weaponize censorship. And now the Supreme Court's going to hear all of it. They're going to see how the Biden administration's weaponizing it in the Biden versus Missouri case. And they've got the two Texas and Florida cases saying we've got serious problems. This is the remedy. And the Supreme Court has recognized this in a multiple set of other contexts. They said merely providing a platform doesn't equal speech, which means denying access to that platform for venues and other people or laws limiting it don't limit the First Amendment rights of that venue. So the logic is clearly applicable here. And so the, now what happened for justices, we already know, align with the states. The question is, what is Barrett going to do? What is Kavanaugh going to do? Uh, what, I mean, I'm sorry, not Kavanaugh. What is Barrett going to do? What is Roberts going to do? So the, uh, all they need is one of those two to recognize this is within the First Amendment rights. Within, with Roberts, there's other language he's used in other cases that he agrees this isn't a First Amendment right to, to, to deny service. And it's a major problem if we start saying it's to deny service is First Amendment protected activity. I mean, to deny that has someone, all kinds of problems. Well, it's, it's, it's a Zenonian paradox to deny someone else's First Amendment rights is your First Amendment right. And yet, if you're not responsible for it, then how could it be a problem for them to express it on your platform? Yep. Especially when you have the, uh, you know, you have the immunity under Section 230. And yet you don't want to host the, the, the speech that you can't get in trouble for because of Section 230. Yeah, that's that's called sucking and blowing um, in the political sense. Robert, do we get to no the doubt. biggest? And uh, I mean, the, the, of course, the big challenger to all of these corrupt sources of power, whether it's big agriculture, whether it's big tech, whether it's the big media, whether it's the Biden administration, uh, is the one and only Donald Trump. John Trump. Well, my, my segue into that was going to be speaking of sucking and blowing and stupid decisions coming out of New York, bada bing, bada boom. Okay. We talked about it last week, but it was during the week. Uh, it was during one of my week streams. I think you were on with Ruben from the event. And I don't know if you touched on the, uh, the fraud case. I know you talked about it during a bourbon with Barnes. Uh, the latest news is that a judge out of New York in the Donald Trump civil suit brought by the state of New York against Donald Trump for fraud against the state and not against you know, no bank bringing it, no investor bringing it. They brought a, a case for fraud against Trump on the basis that he overvalued certain assets, certain real estates, uh, certain real estate assets to a bank and, and supposedly overvalued his brand. Yeah. For, so, so that he could procure beneficial terms on loans from the banks only to satisfy those loans, pay back the bank, pay them on time and to say there's no victim in this is an understatement, but apparently the corrupt state of New York thinks that they're the victim. So they take a civil suit for fraud against the state. A judge moves for some, the judge doesn't move for it, but there's a motion for summary judgment and the judge grants a motion for summary judgment uh, to the effect that Trump fraudulently overvalued assets to procure beneficial terms on loans from banks. 
The issue about a summary judgment, as far as I understand, Robert, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, I'm a, I'm a Quebec schnook, is that there have to be agreed upon facts, which there weren't in the context of this motion for summary judgment, but the judge stipulated one of the agreed upon facts was that Mar-a-Lago is worth $18 million. Now, as we went fishing yesterday and we're driving down the canal, one of those inlets, or what are they called? The um, intercoastal. We're looking at properties and I'm like, Marion, Google it on MLS to see how much that sells for. You know, they, they weren't $18 million, but they were $3 million for little bungalows on the intercoastal, not for 23 acres on Mar-a-Lago on the ocean. The judge, in his judgment, came to the conclusion it was an agreed upon fact between the parties when it was absolutely contested. And by implausible, that 20-acre Mar-a-Lago with however many thousands of feet of beachfront is worth $18 million uh, to say that Trump is guilty of fraud. Take it from there, explain the scope, breadth, and consequences of this decision for Trump's businesses in New York and outside of New York, and what the chances are on appeal, and how patently absurd this decision is. I mean, really, it's these dangerous state laws that linger on the books that give the state the right to bring suit without any finding that any that the state itself has ever been defrauded. I mean, it shows you what a joke standing doctrine is. You know, they, they don't allow the vaccine injured to sue because somehow they don't have standing. But the uh, not just the immunity laws, we I mean, challenge the FDA. Oh, no, you, you don't have standing. But if you've not been defrauded a penny, nickel, dime or dollar, you have no complaining victim. The state has lost no money. In fact, the state has gained money. Mm -hmm. Then you, you get to sue and destroy someone's business. So there were two aspects that were absurd about this. The other aspect is they didn't just sue the Trump organization. They, they sued uh, Trump and his kids. I mean, this is, his kids had nothing to do with this. this Eric is pure... Trump is part of this judgment. I mean, uh, uh, Donald Trump Jr. is part of it. It, it. It's utter. And they knew that the kids had nothing to do with it. It's pure, pure retaliation. As Carl Benjamin said, former Arc, uh, Sargon of Akkad from the social media part of the Lotus Eaters podcast, when he was on Tim Pool, he's like, you don't have a country anymore. You're fighting over what the scraps are going to be. But when you have the open overt weaponization where you're locking up your political opponents, where you're uh, the where you're locking up the leading presidential candidate or trying to, and you're destroying his business based literally on nothing at all, then you, you don't have a country. You don't have a rule of law at all. So this corrupt political hack of a judge uh, who sh who shouldn't have presided over the case to begin with, the case should have been transferred to the commercial division. He refused because he's a rogue partisan hack. Uh, and there's a lot of corrupt judges in New York, probably per capita the king of corrupt judges in America is New York. Uh, a pretty close second is the District of Columbia. You know, if you wonder why the prosecutors are so corrupt in both jurisdictions, uh, look at, you know, you read Billy Walter's book, uh, The Gambler, about his experience with the Southern District of New York. He said he underestimated uh, just how corrupt they were. He dealt with corrupt government officials his whole life, but he said nothing like what you see in the Southern District of New York because the judges are in on it in New York. The judges are in on it in the District of Columbia. Um, so that the case has no grounds whatsoever, no legal factual grounds whatsoever. The problem is a statute that even exists that allows the state of New York to just go steal people's business whenever they feel like it and just say, we feel we've been defrauded. Even if you haven't been defrauded, can't prove a penny, nickel, dime or dollar fraud ever happened. The idea that a bunch of the world's most sophisticated banks lent money without knowing what the value of the, the Trump brand is, is utterly preposterous. Just that let by me... itself, they, they could not have been defrauded. They never claimed to have been defrauded. No, not an attempt to defraud, not an existence of defraud, because they will have had their own. 
These were massive deals. That's they would uh, have had their own independent appraisers, that's, their own independent brand assessors. Yeah, but Robert. Oh, okay. This is what I just—I was going to bring this up as you're saying it. Panther AI says if you can find. Oh, sorry, no, it's Ignotum. Don't the banks in the Trump case need to affirm their appraisal approvals? Won't the judge have to go after them as co-conspirators to make the bogus charge stick? Or will well, the law? You, you can't because they're the so-called victim. So you, the, you, you, you can't allege the victim is is in on it. So I mean that's why it's levels of absurdity that all of these cases are are what we're seeing is how dangerous the legal system is when it's weaponized by uh, people for political and partisan objectives. And the question is, is the Supreme Court going to be asleep while the country collapses? Or is it at some point going to wake up and step in? Because these trial courts don't recognize these limits. They're used to abusing their power. They're used to misusing their power. Prosecutors are used to misusing and abusing it, quite frankly, due to a lot of Republican judges over the past five decades who have completely covered up for corrupt prosecutors and corrupt police. The leading people doing so have been Republican judges, sadly. You know, I have a case about to go up to the Supreme Court uh, in a petition for cert uh, out of the Seventh Circuit, where they created an exception that said, two, here's your two exceptions. One is you're not allowed to go into somebody's house to arrest them for a misdemeanor. So what you do is you just grab them, throw them out of the house, <laughs> and then magically the rule doesn't apply anymore to these uh, the three, three Republican uh, uh, Seventh Circuit corrupt judges. Uh, who think they're going to be up on the Supreme Court. And I say corrupt because I say they're corrupt for partisan purposes. I don't mean quid pro quo corruption. The uh, the second component is that uh, it's a part of a case I have before the Tenth Circuit, too. It's okay to shoot somebody dead, tase them, or beat them as long as they're not yet arrested. So that's not excessive force, you see, because you only have a right against excessive force, according to these conservative judges, if you're actually in custody. Until then, we can beat you, shoot you, and tase you. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, this, is, this absurdity has come out of the conservative wing of the legal academy. And now we're seeing what, what, when you green light abuse for prosecutors, you green light abuse for the police, you green light abuse. I mean, that judge that was going to be on the U.S. Supreme Court that was buddies with Pence that's out saying to take Trump off the ballot. He was a big right-wing Federalist is it, Society is judge. Is that Lawrence Tribe? No, no. Tribe is the commie. The, uh, the, this is his buddy, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, the uh, buddy from the Fourth Circuit. This is a guy who said you can do, you can strip Americans of all civil rights and civil liberties without constitutional protection as long as the president calls them an enemy combatant. It was a bunch of right wingers there. Woohoo! Ben Shapiro was woohoo cheerleading that kind of nonsense. I mean, you don't have to follow Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, or a lot of them, uh, but they they Jeremy Boring, the well named Boring. To realize their authoritarian tendencies, their fascistic proclivities, quite frankly, are barely under the surface. They're, you know, they they are all excited about El Salvador's method of cracking down on crime because they think mass arrest is a wonderful thing. They've never met a prosecutor they thought was bad. They never met a police they thought was rogue. They never thought an executive action was uh, was that was done during the Bush administration was problematic. And that's why we're here. Uh, but now the left has just openly, overtly weaponized it uh, in using that green light, using that open door. And it's an outlandish and outrageous case against Trump. And the reason why it should matter to everybody is it goes way past Trump if they can establish this precedent. You can defraud nobody. You can have done one of the most sophisticated business deals in the history of man. You're talking about deals in the eight figures, deals in the nine figures, uh, the, the idea they didn't know. I mean, the, I mean, Trump had gone through a bankruptcy before. 
You don't think they, the banks didn't know exactly the value of the loan, the exactly the value, the likelihood of, of, of paying back that loan? That's utterly ludicrous. Well, back it up even to the going after Trump, Eric, uh, the you know people personally. Is that not that's the concept of piercing and, and the corporate veil? And they had nothing veil. to do with it. It's just punish the family. It's North Korea. It's I mean, how does North Korea keep a lid on everybody? You act up, they punish your family member. That's why they keep their mouth shut in North Korea. That's why they a lot of them don't try to flee, because unless they can get their whole family across, yep. their act of trying to flee, it's their daughter that gets punished, their son that gets punished, their parents that get punished. I mean, this is the same. I've been trying to tell people the left today in power thinks like the Soviets, thinks well, like but, old school communists. Robert, the the left today in power think like the left of yesteryear in power as yeah, well. I mean, don't think 1960s, think 1930s. That's who these people are. They 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 love authoritarianism. They love secret service agencies. They love uh, 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 deep state activities. They love war whoring overseas. As Glenn Greenwald's pointed out, it's the Democratic Party leadership that is leading the fight on Ukraine, not not Republicans. And it's Republicans who are the only ones pushing back against it. The uh, at least the ones that are honest and honorable enough to keep their oath to their to their representatives, to the people. So the so it's ludicrous on its face. But Trump defrauded nobody. The, the fact <laughs> that he's been found guilty of civil fraud when they cannot say that there was a single per victim ever, that everybody was richly rewarded, including the banks. They cannot prove that the banks thought they were ever misrepresented. Well, but, but that's, but There's no to... testimony in the record. The banks think they that well, anything was ever misrepresented to them. But the banks evaluated the assets themselves. There's no question about that. And, and what the judge is trying to hide is the fact that the banks came in with the same valuation that Trump came in with. So, I mean, I mean, that's the the now. So putting all of that. So no one was defrauded. There's no victim. It's a complete. The fraud is the judgment. It's applied to punishing family members that had nothing to do with the underlying transactions. It's North Korea. It's, it's, it's New York pretending they're North Korea. Uh, it's a denial of right to trial by jury. It's in the wrong form by being in the not being transferred to the commercial court system there in New York. It's a threat to everybody's civil rights and civil liberties, because what they're saying is if we don't like you politically, will we weaponize some one of our many vague laws on the books to go and destroy your business? Just destroy and destroy your family. Just do it. We don't have to have proof of fraud. Everybody can refuse that there ever was fraud. Everybody can agree that, in fact, the person was fully paid back, that, that there couldn't be fraud, literally couldn't be fraud, couldn't be an attempt on fraud because it was independently verified by both parties who were sophisticated to the transaction. That you know, it, it's, it's utterly ludicrous. Like Everybody recognizes the bank couldn't sue, and the bank has never said that it wanted to sue or, or thought it could sue. So how can the state bring suit when they were enriched by tax dollars, by the deals and transactions well, that got done. These were two questions I had, and I want to ask them knowing that the person can answer them. If you overvalue a property, fraudulently overvalue the property, are you still not paying property taxes on the overvalued or business taxes? Are the taxes- Well, because you're done for different purposes. So one of the things the judge did here, the, the thing that was made an easy mockery, and, and some of the people were covering up for him, mm -hmm. saying, well, he didn't specifically find this was the value. Yes, he did. He had to for the purposes of saying there was material fraud. Mm -hmm. So you got members of the media and law, legal communities just lying to cover for this judge. What the judge did is he looked at the property appraised value is done on an entirely different standard. It, it varies entirely by city, county, and state, and often has no correlation to the market value of a property for, cre for credit purposes. And as a, well, you, know, you can debate it and whether that's good policy or bad policy by cities and counties and states to have. But by the way, they profit from it when the government comes in and takes your property. 
government comes in and takes your property, they argue, oh, no, it's the lowest possible value that's equal to the appraised value, not the value you could actually get on the open market for it. So, you know, if you deal with eminent domain uh, litigation, you deal with this all the time. So is, is the government always defrauding people then, uh, according to this definition? Don't don't wait for the state of New York to make that claim anytime soon. The uh, but the the one that the Trump people wisely uh, emphasized the, with, because it symbolically signified the utter absurdity of the judge's actions is that he used the low end real estate tax appraised value of Mar-a-Lago, which has nothing to do with its market value for credit or sale purposes, because the two don't use the same standard, which this judge lies about, hides that fact. He lies by omission. The And said Mar-a-Lago was worth $18 million. And the reason why everybody in even the real estate market was like, that's one of the most absurd statements we've ever heard. They're, they're not, they don't realize judges lie every single day in America. Probably nobody lies more in office than judges do. They have to to get to the conclusion they want to get to. So they mostly lie by omission, but there's plenty of times they lie by commission. And in this instance, properties next to Mar-a-Lago, you can do an easy Google search. Uh, Rush Limbaugh lived nearby, other properties. Properties that did not have the same acreage, properties that didn't weren't on the ocean, properties that didn't have both ocean and intercoastal waterway access, properties that did not have a brand associated with it that has sold well in the service and real uh, uh, real estate industry for almost half a century, nor a product that is uh, affiliated with a known existing popular resort and public figure that the, uh, that are valued at a hundred million or more. Uh -oh. I'm trying. I'm trying to bring it up. Or more. It was I mean, a, a Mar-a-Lago's half a billion uh, easy. It was a it was a 2.3 acre lot. I'm just trying to find the actual listing. I had to double check it. A 2.3 acre lot that's been on the market for 150 million. Now maybe uh, uh yeah, there's something that's 10 percent of the land with <laughs> none of the brand value, with none of the prestige value, is uh, is is uh, if you just do a is worth 150 million. But Robert, so you multiply that. That means there'd be plenty of appraisers, by the way, who would go in and say Mark Logo is worth more than a billion. And and all he did was list a valuation that was less than half a billion. It's like between 340 and 500. I mean, that was a low end valuation of Mar a Lago, and the banks knew it. That's why they were happy to lend him the money. But Robert, the steel man is going to come in and say, well, there's heritage conditions on the property. There's a, a, a destination that they have to adhere to. It has to remain a, a, a country club. So that would greatly would have been factored in by the banks and the appraisers that put in that valuation. And again, and those limitations aren't real limitations when you're talking about Mar-a-Lago. The because it's real value in terms of its brand, in terms of its re some of those heritage deals are generally boosters mm -hmm. of value rather than reducers of value. And let me just uh, maybe have an original thought that might be wildly intelligent. Robert, even if the argument is that he overvalued them to get better terms on the loan. So let's just say he says, okay, if I overvalue them to a half a billion, I'll pay 3% interest as opposed to 5% interest on a $100 million loan. I'm no math magician, but <laughs> that doesn't make any sense if you could say, give me a smaller and loan and I'll pay higher interest, but it's going to be lower aggregate than if I overvalue it and pay a better interest rate on a half a billion. And the idea that a bank, uh, these sophisticated, some of the most sophisticated banks in the world had any disagreement with them and thought they were being, is, is just nuts. 
And and that's the lie that the attorney general, this is a proceeding that never should have been allowed to proceed because this attorney general got elected promising to target Trump before she this knew anything about him. Leticia James. selective prosecution in violation of the First Amendment. But because the federal courts refused to step in in New York, refused to step in in Florida, that's why we're here. We have courts that are asleep at the wheel. They're watching the country burn in live time because they're not uh, because they don't understand what's happening. And that's what happens with corrupt elites when you combine incompetence with them. I often say stupid people. OK, criminals. OK, you combine the two and give them power. You're in trouble. And that's what we have. Uh, we have stupid criminals in positions of power. And they are being enabled and facilitated by a cowardly court system that refuses to step up to the breach and do its duty. And uh, I hope the Supreme Court at some point steps in. Now, this judgment, unlikely to be executed anytime soon. There's a pay appeals. You can appeal all the way up to the Supreme Court. It's not executable against most of his assets because they're no longer domiciled in the state of New York. But what this also is, if you're in real estate, get out of New York. Mm -hmm. Get out of California. If, if, if you can uh, do not get out of Illinois, do not stay in these states, folks. If they can target Trump and take away everything from him, they will do it to you whenever somebody gets sideways with you. Get out of there. If, if, if I mean, I understand some people literally can't. If you literally can't, I get it. Anybody else, get out. Get out and get out now. That's the message from New York. Um, I think that covers it. It's a load yeah, of, it's a load of shit. The other hack judge in D District of Columbia who, of course... Denied the motion to disqualify because yeah. she's too dumb to understand what a disqualification motion is supposed to be based on. Now, I said she wouldn't because that's what a, a corrupt judge is the kind of judge who would never disqualify. An honest judge is one who often will disqualify. And by definition, the kind of judge who will disqualify themselves is one you don't need disqualified because they're honest enough that they would have been honest enough to preside over the proceeding. That's always been the irony. Now, it's here Congress can fix this. They should grant an automatic right of substitution, like some states do, number one, to any party. And number two, uh, they, they should change the disqualification rules. They should change it so that a different court has to handle it, rather than have a, the same judge decide their own qualifications. Because the problem is the very nature of bias being so unavoidable that you can't uh, stop your prejudice from impacting your proceedings is exactly why you'll never recognize that bias for disqualification. It's it, we have the same rule, at least in Quebec. You make a motion to disqualify. It's the judge whose disqualification is being sought who adjudicates. That's great. Imagine pissing off the judge and saying your bias piece of rubbish, uh, uh, recuse yourself. And they're going to say, screw you. Not only will I not, I'm going to keep myself in and good luck for the rest of the file. Exactly. Why That's would the you? They, they never should have done this that they should have established a different procedure. An honest judge would transfer it to someone to rule on anyway, but these judges are not capable of that. Her main legal error, though, is that she didn't even use the right standard. The standard is, could someone, may is the language in the law, uh, someone perceive her as biased? Instead, she explained why she wasn't biased. But that's not the standard. <laughs> the standard is whether someone might perceive her statements as biased. And so she didn't even apply the right standard. Now, fortunately, this is an appealable issue. As this judge decides on the illegal unconstitutional gag order being sought in the case. And um, so I'm glad they brought it. They now have issues they can run up the flagpole. And then the same in, uh, uh, so I mean, that that's the update. So we'll see where that progresses. Uh, and then Trump is taking proactive action. He sued Christopher Steele for his conspiracy uh, in Russiagate. 
and everything related to it. So that was good to see him proactive on that side of the aisle. Now, hold on one second. There was one more question I had about the judge. Chutney, she does not recuse herself, and she gets to adjudicate now on the pending motion for the gag order. So there has been no order on the gag order being sought by Jack Smith, which is narrowly circumscribed like my... (laughs) Oh, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say like my ass... If you see me moving around, it's not my hemorrhoids. I have, believe I have a sciatic uh, nerve that has been pinched. And so it's, my leg is uh, under a little bit of pain, so I'm trying to relieve the pressure. Sitting on my butt all day long, it's, it's having its impact. Um, so she, she denied the motion to recuse. She's going to stay in and judge for now. They're going to go make a motion for permission to appeal. The gag order's coming. <laughs> and uh, what was the other thing? The DC stuff. Oh, so yeah, Trump is suing Steele. Robert, I mean, I, I like that he's doing it. But am I wrong in thinking he's got a 0% chance of any form of success against Steele, considering that a court authorized, you know, Steele will say, look, okay, I, I made a mistake, but the court authorized this. So I, how, how wrong could I have been or how much? Well, but fa- not him. In other words, that, well, he, he was complicit in a wide range of behavior, but he was not a government agent when he did what he did. So he can't rely on any government, any court ordered authorization when his deceptions to the FBI were part of how that court order came about. He can't profit from his own fraud. So uh, factually and legally is good grounds. It's whether there'll be a court that will hold Steele accountable, which is an open question. What what uh, jurisdiction did he file in? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what the... Uh, uh, I thought for a second it was the UK, but I'm not... I haven't seen the actual filing, so okay. I don't know. Uh, not, not like anybody needs any evidence that Steele lied. It was a fabricated piece of, of rubbish uh, done specifically at the request of, who was it? The DNC leaked to the FBI by Sussman, who gets acquitted. And all paid for by laundered money through Mark Elias and Perkins Co. Disguised and, as federal election uh, legal opposition. Expenses. Oh, God, yes. No, And also, uh, when they get caught in the... When they get busted, the DNC pays 135,000 bucks for mislabeling the funding. Hillary Clinton, 8,000 bucks, but Trump faces a 36 uh, charge indictment out of New York, and no one's above the law. Jamal Bowman. Oh, that's a lot. That's a. Yeah, but speaking of insanity out of New York, uh, someone else is fighting back against New York corruption. Hold on. This is who, Robert? I'm looking for... The Bodega. Remember the Bodega? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Please, take this one because you know more than I do about it. Oh, I just know that it's basically the headline, but for those people who remember, this is the Bodega that defended himself against an attempted uh, armed robbery. Charged with murder for stabbing the guy who was was kidnapping him at, 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 at some sort of weapon point. Charged for murder because of political pressure. And then they dropped the charges because of political pressure. And now he's suing. Yep, and his point is that he he's exposing the New York DA's racially discriminatory prosecutorial preferences, uh, amongst others, and saying that the prosecution was brought for racialized reasons. In this case, it's the black district attorney uh, targeting non-black defendants uh, for special prosecution, uh, while you know if it was a black defendant, he doesn't prosecute at all. And so there, there's multiple examples of this with Alvin Bragg. So Bragg is now facing a major civil rights suit over his wrongful prosecution of the Bedelia. Fantastic. I mean, it, it won't go anywhere. These are these are coming out of corrupt um, districts, which will it'll go nowhere. But good to see. I yeah, guess. we'll see. We'll see what happens in New York. It'll be interesting. It's a different kind of theory being pursued than the typical theory. So we'll see if the New York courts are capable of uh, impartial administration of justice, which so far they have failed to answer that question in the right way. 
All right. Do we do the uh, Tennessee trans? Uh, oh, well, before that, we have speaking of corrupt politicians, the mm-hmm. Biden impeachment inquiry commenced this week. OK, hold on. Before we even get there, just the Menendez update. Menendez entered his plea of not guilty, uh, said that he had gotten the gold bars and withdrew cash because he was afraid of the Cuban government seizing his assets. I said I'd give him, I'd give Menendez the benefit of the doubt. That benefit has long gone now because Menendez, Robert, born in America, so in theory doesn't have assets or salary that could be seized in, in, in Cuba. Um, and what was I about to say about that? So I, I now no longer believe that he's innocent. He was, he was let out on bond of $100,000, his wife on two fifty, and the other co-defendant on a $5 million bond. Some people are left asking the questions as to why he's let out on so little. He's a politician. Maybe he's not running. His wife is a little bit more of a flight risk. The third dude, I forget his name, is probably, you know, has a criminal record. So five million bond, he has to put up $300,000. Dude's guilty. That's it. Now I've changed my opinion. I gave the benefit of the doubt. His explanation for this is doesn't make any sense. I have now gone to guilt. Okay. Speaking of other guilty, corrupt people, politicians, uh, Biden impeachment the inquiry has started now, correct? Not any impeachment proceedings, it's the inquiry. And um, I just made a tweet while we were live, Robert, all of these lefty dipshits running around saying, no evidence. It's, it's the catchphrase, Google it. It's like build back better. It's like um, MAGA Republicans. No evidence is the biggest, dumbest lie you can ever imagine. It's Bart Simpson saying, I didn't do it. No evidence, there's evidence. Uh, they started the inquiry, um, we talked about it, but. I mean, I know you believe it's there's strong grounds for an impeachment. I believe there's strong grounds for an impeachment. It's the no evidence when we now know that Hunter Biden got a wire of a quarter of a million dollars from a Chinese uh, related CCP individual, CPC individual, who Joe ended up writing a letter of recommendation for his kid. They're meeting in China. The wire comes through with Joe Biden's home address as the beneficiary. Robert, flesh it out more than that. This is a legit impeachment inquiry well especially if they go develop it in the right direction so i agree with dershowitz that it what it requires is that there be you know from the constitution felonious conduct while he's been president that's cat part one and part two is my view is the remedy of impeachment should only be utilized when an election cannot remedy the problem so it needs to be not only felonious conduct while president It needs to be felonious conduct while president that endangers the country in a way that can't be remedied in the next election. And there are circumstances involving Joe Biden with that. And it's not what happened in the past. It's how he has weaponized the Justice Department to cover up what has happened in the past. If I could stop you there, the argument is going to be, even if it's true that he took payments or his son got payments in 2019, um, he wasn't president yet, though he was running. Is there any weight to be given to the idea that it, 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 it starts counting as when he was running for president? I don't th- no, I only once he's been president. Okay. So in my view, if, if the, all they had was things that he had done, his lifelong commitment to corruption that dates back to the 1970s. Uh, but if it had stopped when he walked into the White House and there was no effort to cover up on it, no effort to act on the quid pro quo for which you previously received those bribes uh, while in weaponizing the power of the White House, then I would agree with Dershowitz that is not impeachable. Mm -hmm. What is impeachable is a misdemeanor or serious misdemeanor, high crime 
which I consider serious felonious conduct, uh, that a while he was president, that's part one. And then part two is why it's uh, can't be remedied by an election, but only impeachment. Recognizing the Senate's never going to convict him anyway. Um, but the the but we should stick within those constitutional standards. I don't I don't think Clinton's lies about Lewinsky were an impeachable offense. I think there are other things he did which were impeachable, but the they chose not to go that route because it endangered their deep state allies and the Bush family, as Clinton famously bragged about as re, uh, to Arkansas security guards, as reported in Roger Morris's book Partners in Power about the Clintons. Still the best biography of the Clintons ever written comes from a left populist guy, by the way. So in this instance, what's, what makes those past issues relevant is whether or not it has impacted presidential policy from the White House, whether or not he has taken efforts to cover up that criminality by weaponizing the tools of the White House, obstructed proceedings, it criminally interfered in those proceedings, you misusing and abusing his power. And in particular, the most compelling evidence concerns Ukraine. He got bribed by Ukraine all the way back uh, in, in, in by, uh, by various oligarchs and elements within Ukraine that are now within the government for the purposes of suppressing criminal investigation into money laundering and other illegal activities taken by those oligarchs and allies of those oligarchs. And the main oligarch, one of the main oligarchs he was protecting at the time, who's now persona non grata in the West, but that oligarch is the one principally responsible for the election of Zelensky and enriching Zelensky. So right now we're experiencing the quo part of the quid pro quo because he's weaponized the White House to fund a Ukrainian war in order to repay the people who previously bribed him. That is an impeachable offense. It puts the country at risk. Blowing up Nord Stream is an impeachable offense. It puts the world at risk, and it's an act of global terrorism unauthorized by anybody legislatively, by Congress or anything else. The action he is engaged in in the Justice Department by going after Trump and while covering up for his son is an impeachable offense, even if it what it's the underlying crime he's covered up is crimes that took place prior to his presidency. If he had no role whatsoever, his Justice Department had no role whatsoever in any problematic aspect of what was going on with Hunter Biden or the investigation into him or his family. If they weren't weaponizing power to take out his leading political critic and opponent, if he wasn't massively funding and endangering the world with Ukraine, then you'd have an argument he hasn't engaged in impeachable conduct. But he has done all three. So if the House is smart, they tie those two together. They tie the past criminality to current policy. The past criminality to current dangerous weaponization of executive force, selective prosecutors' power, selective prosecutorial power. And they tie that prior criminality to the current world being in a dangerous place. Uh, that an election won't be able to cure if we have nuclear war before them. An election won't cure if uh, <laughs> Donald Trump, is. they try to put him in prison before the election can even occur. They, the election can't cure a problem that Biden's criminal acts are prohibiting from being the cure of. And that should be the focus, and that's constitutionally good ground. The question is whether they have the guts to do it because it will implicate deep state allies with their uh, on the Republican side, on the Bush family side, on all their protégés and, and others, Senator Cornyn for 
for, uh, for as one example, amongst others. It'll implicate the deep state currently. It'll implicate the CIA, the NSA. It'll implicate the same people that tried to take out Trump in Russiagate and Ukraine gate. Uh, so does the Republican, does Jim Jordan have the guts to allow the committee to go to where good constitutional grounds exist is the open question. There's no doubt good constitutional grounds exist to impeach Biden. Impeach and convict, Robert, if he gets impeached. Oh, okay. of course, but the, Conviction. The, there's too many corrupt hacks in the Senate to assume he'll ever be convicted. But that, you know, the worry about him being convicted should not influence whether or not he's committed a constitutionally impeachable offense. True. And and I say the funny thing is thinking out loud and I can see how in a year and a half this soundbite, this clip might be more prophetic than anything. Hey, if Biden becomes such a, uh, a liability of a president as a candidate and this is how they have to take him out is by impeachment and conviction, you could see a realm in which it happens and they make an example out of him and then I don't know yeah, uh, who they can protect. I I, they'll never do that uh, in my view. Uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm allowed to have a dream, Robert. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 as yeah. I sit here stroking Winston, I can dream. I just, yes. if, if they impeach, to me, to me, it's an absolute no-brainer in terms of what he's done. And it's an interesting distinction. Had he just stopped, it's not about what he did before being president. It's about everything that he's doing while he's president in order to persecute and, need and tie. This isn't just about individual quid pro quo corruption. This is about the corruption of our policies, the endangerment of our economy, the endangerment of global peace, that tie the two together. Now, that means going after some of their corporate allies, going after some of their deep state allies. But that's what they need to do to make it both a compelling presentation in the court of public opinion and to make it a constitutionally correct impeachment. Okay, now let, let me, I'm going to read a few of these uh, rumble rants. I forget where we left off here. Uh, I'm not a fisherman. Unless I've been to Bath, Illinois, I'm going to look at this. If, if this is noodling, I will never noodle. Sticking my hands into unknown holes. I'm not, I'm not doing it in life or in fishing. Panther AI says, but there, here's a real question. If all of this is fraud, isn't the judge committing fraud as well? Since um, I bet the loan they took for their, for, their, uh, for their place doesn't match the values of the standards. Okay, we talked about that. Chiropractor Viva, C1 Weekly, you have kids. They give you DADAK, degenerative ass disease. It's just streaming. Um, it slowly eats away at your butt. <laughs> and then we got Truth Puppet. Nicey time is over. Act like Democrats and just impeach. Okay, good. I was, I was nervous this was going to be a violence in, uh, uh, promoting one. Impeach. Absolutely. Hey, they set the standards. I have now gotten very comfortable with holding those bastards to the standards they have set. I'm doing it daily. Whether or not I would have imposed that standard in the first place, I will hold my enemies to their own standards. Um, and that's about all the advice I'll take from Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Robert, now we're off our list, so I don't know which one we're going to go to next. What's the oh, segue? Oh, yeah. Well, up, up next is the uh, couple of Second Amendment cases. The Firearms Policy Coalition and others continue to bring good suits. Uh, in Maryland, they uh, got a successful injunction against Maryland's attempt to impose a range of gun control. There's a bunch of gun control uh, cases that are going forward in California. The Ninth Circuit issued a temporary administrative stay that multiple judges correctly descended from, and they pointed out that this, that when it comes to abortion and guns, the same judges that say you have to stick to certain procedural standards and you have standing and all the rest, they throw all that out the window when they want a certain outcome. Robert, I'm an idiot. The reason why I was not following the right list is because I was looking at the email you sent me 
uh, yet, uh, two days ago, not the updated one with the list. Okay, the Second Amendment, California, Maryland. This was the darling, the darling of the right. Uh, what's his name? Benitez, the judge who yeah, issued yeah, the, the great, the, uh, good, great the, ruler. Uh, I think he is, you know, former Cuban uh, judge. Yeah, that's it. The, 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 the Dems like, um, they like open borders until they come from Cuba. But uh, this is the judge that issued the, uh, the ban on the, it was the ban on the legislation that limited, uh, it was, oh, I forget, I'm, I'm going to screw it up now, Robert. This had to do with high capacity magazines, right? It was, it was $10 yep. or more. And um, there was, the judge Benitez came in and said, no, this is unlawful. The this is the right decision I'm thinking of. This is when the court comes in and says, no, no, we got to hear this on an emergency basis, strike it down, break all of our own rules in order to hear this en banc to stay Benitez's order. And then the court comes in and says, you guys are just willy-nilly breaking the rules, making your own rules so that you can treat Second Amendment cases differently than every other case. There was a case of a, a death penalty that was being requested for special review. And you said no to that, but we're going to hear this. And, and the majority came in and said, uh, that no, they, they stayed the state, correct? That's what happened? The, uh, uh, yes, uh, so that the, but it's only an administrative stay, so whether or not the stay will stay in place, we'll see. That's <laughs> too many stays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ultimately, it, it's, I think these laws will ultimately be struck down on the grounds Benitez granted. But what it reveals is the ongoing efforts to discipline these states who are ignoring the Bruin decision. And probably sooner or later, the Supreme Court is going to need to take one of these to reinforce the Bruin decision. Um, now, uh, most of the gun cases have been successful. Most of the Second Amendment cases have successfully struck down, I think, over 100 state or local laws since Bruin. And I think that's where this one will go in California. And they won a, a good a, one in uh, Maryland concerning all these different efforts to restrict Second Amendment rights. So what we're seeing, mostly robust good law in this in this arena. Uh, but there'll be procedural hurdles and delays as the gun control crowd tries to throw wrenches into them as they proceed to final judgment. I remember highlighting certain parts of this, and I have to, I have to like go look over my glasses like an old man, Robert. It said, I can't even do it. It said, th this is from the decision from the majority, where there's a phenomenon, there is a phenomenon that has long been recognized in abortion cases, sometimes called abortion distortion, that describes the court's willingness to jettison procedural norms or other normal rules of decision-making when a case concerns abortions. As the Supreme Court recently observed in Dobbs, abortion cases have led to the distortion um, in legal doctrines ranging from the severability, yada, yada. And they say we're, we're now seeing a similar thing in Second Amendment cases where the courts are saying, screw it all, we're going to make our own rules, break our own rules so that we can get to the results that we want as relates to Second Amendment cases because they're very important to us. Exactly. And the uh, maybe do a little bit of reverse order, because that's a good bridge into the abortion ban that got upheld out of the uh, uh, out of Idaho. And this was a good uh, uh, appellate decision. Oh, yeah. So this is where, the uh, you know, for a while, people have been saying these efforts to link money in certain ways to federal program was really a backdoor way for the federal government to take over things that are not their business, like the state's governance of medical care. And so we have two instances of that. We have the abortion ban on the one hand, and we have trans treatment bans in Tennessee and Kentucky on the other. And in the abortion ban context, Idaho passed a law banning abortion outside of the life of the mother. Uh, Biden administration sued, and they got a friendly district court to agree with them that a law that only governs emergency care, that just said, you hospitals that take Medicare, you cannot deny emergency care 
to uh, people based on their inability to pay. So that that's all it does. In fact, the law specifically says this doesn't change any state law. This doesn't govern the standard of care. This doesn't govern what care must be provided. It only says that you can't use their economic status as grounds to deny them when you're receiving federal funds. This was a law. It was a. I was trying to see if I highlighted it. It was a six-letter emergency medical treatment where you could not turn E-M-T-A- someone away. E-M-T-A-L-A. Yeah, E-M-T-A-L-A, the emergency treatment, whatever the rest goes for, which stipulates you, you have to stabilize a patient in the ER before anything. Ability right. to pay or not. And then you get to decide. And then the Biden administration comes in and says, you can't deny abortions. You can't pass this abortion legislation because... Because abortion is stabilizing care. Well, as, as if they would ever come in and say, there's a, a life-threatening illness, a life-threatening issue with this pregnancy. We're not going to stabilize this person uh, under this law, which they said, the, the court said, is not going to happen. And therefore, this basis was... Because the, the law already allowed, in the case of the life of the mother... It's basic old school self-defense doctrine. Then the you you can take whatever uh, you can do at abortion. You just can't do an abortion for any other reason. And the idea that providing emergency care for the poor was in fact a mandate to do abortion that no state could override is nowhere in the law. But it's the misuse and abuse of federal funds, and it's the misuse and abuse of the Justice Department that should be part of Biden impeachment, and it's it's the misuse and abuse of federal preemption principles. Uh, the It's because this is an area that they don't govern. They don't govern the practice of medicine. So I have this issue in a range of vaccine and other cases. The FDA, not supposed to be in the state rate regulating medicine context. It's supposed to be in the honest labeling context. They've gone long away from it. You, you give them a little bit of light and they steal it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the So but the Fed, to the credit of the Court of Appeals, they said there is no federal preemption here. Uh, that, that nothing about this law even deals with abortion, so it can't preempt. The law itself said it doesn't try to preempt. There'd be constitutional problems if it did try to preempt. And there's not even uh, any kind of conflict in practice, least of all with the law, given that st- if stabilizing the patient, it pointed out many times stabilizing the patient may mean the unborn fetus uh, in the case, depending on your perspe- perspective on life, that the state of Idaho has already made a decision on this is up for the legislature of Idaho to decide. They've decided the federal law can't preempt it. And they reversed that so that Idaho's abortion ban is now enforceable in the state. And in the same context, using similar principles, the Tennessee and Kentucky laws passed that banned certain kinds of trans treatment with the same sort of uh, courts at the district court level that rushed in Tennessee to, to stop that those laws from going into force. Sixth, Sixth Circuit also overturned those and said those laws are a permissible use of state power. Yeah, Robert, I, I got I got flabbergasted by the dissenting judge in that case. I, I was trying to find the name and look up history, but the, the judge said something I, I, I tweeted out before, like, if you're uh, an accident of birth, referring to gender dysphoria, and as though it's an accident of birth that these people are born into the wrong bodies and not that they have a psychological condition that requires treatment that does not involve child genital mutilation. And um, I, I was just, I'm just flabbergasted by the mental gymnastics that a dissenting judge will go through in order to find a way to say, we should allow children to mutilate their genitals because everybody basically understands what they call puberty blockers or, or, or puberty pausers cause lifelong damage. Hormone replacement therapy, lifelong damage. Double mastectomies, all of it, lifelong damage. And 
uh, I forget which, Tennessee passed the legislation, says you can't do any of this unless it's for medically necessary, medically, not psychologically, precocious period or accidents. I don't know what they mean by accidents. And you have a dissenting judge saying, oh no, these poor children, but by accidents of birth are born into the wrong bodies. Okay, so the, the, this was another one of those stays on stays. The legislation will be permissible and will no longer be stayed, is the bottom line. And, and okay. I like the logic of this decision better than some of the others, because the danger in these decisions is that they green light state invasion of parental power and bodily autonomy. And here, the court made a big difference. It, did, it Unlike some of the prior decisions and arguments being made, it did recognize the right to refuse treatment. It did recognize the right to bodily autonomy. It did recognize the right of parental authority over children's choices and care. So that was very important. And how it separated the two is it said the right to refuse care has never been interpreted as the right to receive care using the uh, right to die cases that went up to the U.S. Supreme Court where they said there was no right to die, um, the Kevorkian cases out of Michigan. And so that was a critical distinction because that preserves the constitutional protection of bodily autonomy. They also went on the way to say they agreed the parent has a, has a right to choose the child's medical care, but that too only extends to the same right the parent has that right. Mm -hmm. So if a parent as an adult has a right to reject care, then the parent can reject care on behalf of the child without the state me, uh, being able to change that unless it could meet you know, strict scrutiny, compelling need, narrowly tailored mechanism to meet that compelling need. And they said in this context, the parent as an adult doesn't have the right to receive these forms of unusual, unconventional treatments. So the parent has no right that for the child to also receive these unconventional, unusual treatments that the state is cannot regulate. And so on that basis, and then it made clear what's always been true. I've always thought the equal protection claim was gibberish because there's old Supreme Court law that says just because something only impacts one gender does not make it gender-based discrimination to have legislation governing that. And, and, and they said so in the medical context particularly. Otherwise, you could never ban or limit abortion in any way. Well, I mean, just said, okay, requisite disposal of tampons will only affect women. Yeah, correct, <laughs> I mean, exactly. The, it, it, the, and so they said that there is no discrimination based on gender. Just because this treatment disproportionately impacts one gender more than another doesn't make it a uh, something that discriminates on the basis of gender. So the two-to-one decision overturned the district court, reinstated the ban in Tennessee and Kentucky on these trans treatments, noting fundamentally there's no deeply rooted tradition of preventing, uh, of a right to receive certain medical procedures. Uh, and they said if, there, if we did recognize such a right, it would create a wide range of problems in a wide range of contexts. So I like how they clarified these provisions. Now, for those out there, by the way, th these cases don't help people that wanted to get ivermectin or things like that. So that that is, you know, the, these cases do undermine some of the legal theories being pursued there. And some on the right haven't fully they're so they so embrace the outcome. They haven't cared about the means to that outcome. Um, and this decision was more careful at not harming those underlying rights to get to the outcome. 
It, it also contained, a, I guess it's, I don't know if it's relatively accurate, but more thorough history of gender dysphoria and studies. It, the, the well, first Vivek is right. It's a disease. That's what well, it is. It's a disease. It, it, it's a mental illness. And once upon a time, there was no shame in saying it. All of a sudden, now they're saying, if it weren't a mental illness, it wouldn't cause distress to not accommodate to. So it's a mental Those illness. You know, my nephew told me somebody uh, years ago, he's like one of his friends didn't know he was a boy or a girl. And I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure God gave him a clue. Um, so the, <laughs> you know, um, the caused a little controversy at the time, but the around the old Thanksgiving table. But so I, I, I yes. And, and so the, these are these are laws that are, are are targeting the right issue. And the key is that the means to get to that to that remedy need to be done in such a way as to be clearly constitutional and not invalidate bodily autonomy and not invalidate parental autonomy and not uh, empower injudiciously the state along the way. People at the Daily Wire don't care, right? They, 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 because they're, like I said, they're basically authoritarians in hiding. Uh, the mask drops down then and you see it ugly and up front. Um, and th that's been my issue with these cases. But this decision does the best job of limiting collateral consequences to core constitutional remedies. All right, Robert, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to read a few Rumble rants, and then I think we um, we might... The only one we have left to discuss on Rumble is briefly the uh, arrest in the Tupac murder. Okay, now let me do this real quick. Like, Bruin was a reinforcement of the Heller case. That's from Stingray. Golden Charm 79. Hi, Viva. Could you give any advice as to why I can't watch locals on my TV Amazon Fire Stick, dude. I can't because I don't even know what a Fire Stick is. But I'm gonna go screen grab that and send it to Chris. It's it's the it's only the lives that I can't watch. They do show up the next day. I'll ask Chris and the team. Alex Davy Duke, please cover Federal Court of Appeal. Koa, Premier Brian Peckford. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. I, I I got my. This is a Federal Court of Appeal that's coming up. I forget when, but I've got my link to 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 chime in. So unless something happens, I've got my Zoom link. Uh, it's October 11th, so I'm good for that. I'm in there. Uh, Alex David Duke, nice to see you again. Into the Veld. The FBI colluded with the social media platform to censor millions of voters before the elections, making the January 6th protesters patriots and the agents, oh, cripe, uh, tech employees, the actual insurrectionists. I agree with that. I Hall 86, point of order. He is a known Saint Benitez. Uh, and then we got that. And there was one that just came in here. Trump puppet. No, sorry. Truth puppet. I became pro-life when I watched people go out on the ice to save baby seals. Same people would not protect babies. All right, Tupac, Robert. It's 20-some-odd years later. The dude is 60 years old. Apparently goes on, not podcast, but wrote a memoir that says, I gave the gun and gave the order to kill Tupac. I mean, you'll tell me the legal stuff behind this. My life question is, how long does this guy have to live? Because if you admit to being the one... He didn't kill him. He didn't, he didn't pull the trigger. He allegedly gave the order and boasted about having given the firearm to the dude that went out and shot the rap legend Tupac Shakur to death. This guy's not long for this world, but what do you make of this at this point in time? The dude is 60 years old. Can justice be had? I mean, there's uh, you know, no statute of limitations on murder. And so it's constitutionally and statutorily permissible to charge him. He was identified as an early suspect, so I guess we can uh, get the real answer to the Vegas uh, mass shooting probably 20 years from now, too. <laughs> uh, you know, this was always an ongoing embarrassment to Vegas that they did not prosecute anybody connected to this. Uh, there's been multiple movies made about this. I have a hush-hush about what really happened 
in the murder of Tupac that you can find at vivabarnsloft.locals.com. I'll probably pin it up so people can find it easily uh, this week. Uh, and you can get uh, maybe the real story behind the murder of Tupac. Uh, I've given everyone the link, and we're going to go now, Robert. We end yep. this on Rumble. This will be exclusive to the after party at vivabarnslaw.locals.com. If you want us to answer a question, put in a tip of $5 or more. We will be covering the following five bonus topics. Robert Kennedy Jr., mm-hmm. can he run as an independent? Will he run as an independent? Does he have ballot access to run as an independent? What is the impact? of his presidential campaign and and if he runs as an independent why is everybody missing the boat on the real impact of such a campaign uh arizona governor who the heck is it is it somebody else i mean give it to this person or that person what's going on over there uh when calling somebody a groomer is not liable uh when uh Cal- what are you what are you going to do in california when they start putting limits on how much you can drive your car and you have to disclose where it is at all times particularly if you have any of those old polluting cars. Uh, and last but not least, uh, when can you sue Better Call Saul for making fun of your tax service? I got, I got, I got questions about this one. Robert, we're going to locals, everybody. You have oh, the link. Also, uh, last but not least, uh, the Michigan election lawsuit oh, that yeah. could impact 2024. And I've got, I've got highlights from that because I, I screen grabbed with some, with some highlights. Okay, ending on Rumble. Robert, do you have any appearances next week for the world to know? Uh, no, I got a busy week next week. Okay, and now do I have anything next week? Things are going to be coming up, so stay tuned. We're going to end on Rumble, going to vivabarnslaw.locals.com. See you all there, and if you're not going to be there, see you tomorrow live throughout the week. Enjoy the evening, people. Ending in 5-4. I did it. Oh, son of a beasting. Hold on. Did I end this? Yeah, I ended it too early. Damn it. Did I? End live stream. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, it's done. Okay, let's go. Robert, I'm going to... I see someone with, with what appear to be um, arapaimas. There's a, there's a woman in a bikini with two big fish in her hands. Okay. You would, you would recognize the fish first. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't even see the, I didn't even see the bikini. It's a matching bikini. Holy crab apples. Okay, I'm going to scroll all the way up to the top, Robert. We're going to do all of the tips before we get going. All of the $5 tips, and we're going to have to do it now. Oh my FG, it's real. What is this? This is not a $5. It's a kayak with a grenade launcher and it could be a game changer in Ukraine. Okay, that's from a long time ago. Let me just make sure I'm all the way up to the top. Okay, $10 from B... Oh, it's Brewer TR. Tonight's show will be better than the RNC debate setting the bar low, aren't you? Yep, there's no question. Tech Ultra, $10. Robert, I had Baltimore County Code Enforcement issue a $2,000 property violation without inspecting the property and through clear they hate uh the tenant lens okay fine the county had confirmed that they do not they did not expect the property for the violation and i couldn't reach it due to the road closure what do i do i screen- l- look up how to because uh, i don't know the answer to that to be honest. where can i follow texas news all the newspapers are trash that's from mark ntx uh the you know, our, uh, our, general paxton on twitter mandalici how colorblind or illiterate <laughs> that's not funny it's got the push to open handicap meme and the fire alarm uh we got bill that's a good one bill brown says uh here's one of millie jd and tubby oh oh, Ah, cute 
Those are beautiful. Uh, skipping. Uh, not to be mean, we gotta get... That's a big tuna. I, I just got distracted by the fish. Uh, Freddie York says, why do you keep paying to fish, bro? Let's go. <sighs> okay, Wait, you're right. Uh, no, because like you have, to, you have to pay the boat. The boat, it's expensive. And, oh, of and, uh, course, yeah, yeah. yeah I can only you're go do the boat yourself. That, well, that, that that becomes expensive. That is true. You're, you're paying one way or the other. Steve Schmidt also implied that January 6th was worse than all the George Floyd riots, the cost of billions, destroyed small businesses, injured, killed, scores. Shows you his priorities are all are are, are certain elite folks in D.C. Not the American people. Guard. That's from Ithaca 37. Canada. He is a piece of shit, Steve Schmidt. Oh my God. Robert, Chris Wallace is coming to my college. What question should I ask him? That's from Antar24. What's it like to be a poor imitation of your father? Harsh. <laughs> Bender is great. Did you see the Xbox got hacked having all their chat data deleted and Goldman Sachs admitted to using Xbox chats for insider trading? Oh, remember, if you're broke, you're not cheating hard enough. Uh, that's from, uh, I got that. Bender's great. Okay, Merchant Marine, $5. Is the... The thing is, the MSM attacked anyone who stepped out of line on COVID. When are we going to hold the propaganda machine accountable legally? Good luck. <laughs> Never forget, folks, you are the carbon they want to reduce. That's from Bill Brown. We got Calder2005 says, Not defending Ukraine, but I really think the White House was embarrassed over Afghanistan and so supporting supported Ukraine. Now nah, these people have no shame. It was the influence money paid to the Biden family. JL Sarame, $5. Who made the offer to Carrie Lake to try to keep her out of the 2024 election? Robert, do you know that? I don't know if she's publicly disclosed it. I haven't read all the book yet, so maybe it's in there. Okay. Sammy says, hi, all. Representing the Viva Barnes at a live David Sedaris show. Haha, <laughs> so many compliments on the shirt. Told people to look you guys up. Me think they will be a bit surprised. Oh, this is Blue Libs, New York. I was wearing that shirt. Today, I was wearing that shirt yesterday. Sorry, yesterday for fishing. Uh, Sammy, thank you. Uh, and I like your glasses as well because I used to. I Harris have those. is one funny dude. Six cents of humor, but funny. <laughs> we got Martini 2021. Oh, that's sorry. L. Martin. That's my Freudian slip. Sidebar request guest, Saifula Khan. Uh, Yale student found not guilty in, 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 in the court of rape. Yet had the hearing. No lawyer allowed. I remember that. Okay. Uh, kicked him out. He's using Yale and Norm Pattis. He's suing, his, Yale. He's suing Yale and Norm Pattis' attorney. Uh, $5, is, the, is this a winning strategy? What is this? DeSantis, once again. Oh, yeah, DeSantis is out there, you know, basically trying to dismiss uh, what happened in the 2020 election, which was yes. is just stupid of him. It's just dumb. It's, it's not going to win him any votes, and it just undermines him. I mean, it's like there was a way to can Even if you were going to campaign against Trump, which by itself is stupid under the current circumstances, there was a way to do it Vivek style, that could have had DeSantis in an easy second right now. Yeah. The and he even could have said, "Look, I'm here to make sure we, you know, we maintain the Trump positions and Trump policies, and I support the president. We have to face, you know, that the Biden administration is trying to take him out. We need to make sure there's a back, you know, those kind of things." And instead, he's taking the bait on challenging him. And I just hope Murdoch wrote him a big enough check to make it worthwhile for him. What What good is all the fortunes of the world for he who has forsaken his soul? I don't remember what part of the Bible that it's in, but it's, it's in the Bible. The Shadow Knows, $5. Ben Shapiro loves monopolies because someone so mediocre could never thrive in a Darwinian market system. No comment. Uh, Tzedakah, oh, that's Tzedakah. That's Hebrew for charity. Speaking of monopolies, what can be done about the cable internet companies? Uh, complain? I, I found that tagging the attorney general of a state actually worked with Verizon. So 
Who knows? When you brass tax, there's no difference between BlackRock and the British East India Company, except maybe the lack of Scottish heroin dealers on board. That's the shadow knows. Uh, actually, probably the heroin dealers are just not Scottish. Um, Beavis Wallace, I hope this wasn't a typo. This is a $100 tip. Uh, thank you. From McKellen, Texas, enjoyed Amos Miller Jam. I would love the Viva and Barnes explaining the McCarthy and Gates rivalry. Robert, I, this is a good segue because they're trying to expel Gates. I don't know why. McCarthy, they're trying to remove him oh, from McCarthy's the an old school establishment Republican who cares more about the speaker's gavel than any principle of, of any kind that, uh, that, uh, that matters. In California, he's constantly intervened in primary elections to hurt populist and MAGA candidates and promote establishment candidates. Good buddies came in with Paul Ryan. Uh, he's always been aligned on the establishment wing, but his desperation for the speaker's chair has allowed him to uh, uh, to uh, occasionally not be a complete simp for the deep state. He is by nature a simp for the deep state, but he cares about the speaker's chair more. Matt Gates is a populist Republican from Northern Florida. He's independently wealthy because of his family. So like the Kennedys, he can say whatever he wants and doesn't worry about it. Not looking for Murdoch book deals, not looking for media deals, not looking for power in its traditional way. That's why he's been targeted repeatedly inside the house and outside the house. Talked about running for a state office in Florida. And that's when they suddenly did a federal criminal investigation that turned out to be totally bogus and was completely ultimately dismissed, but not before smearing him so badly that he had to step back from that Senate uh, from that statewide race. So Matt Gates is a old school populist that wants to uh, push populist messaging on the Trumpian brand. Very honest guy, very straightforward guy. Uh, McCarthy is an establishment hack. He's not as bad as McConnell. He's not like deeply in bed with the deep state, but he's deeply aligned with the deep state. And so when those issues conflict, Gates has tried to push uh, his McCarthy's love of the speakership to get him to side with the populist rather than the deep state. But down deep, McCarthy want, would love to be a 2014-style Speaker of the House that could sell you out on a regular basis and get pats on the back from people while he's Speaker. Uh, his, his envy for the, for the gavel is, the, is actually the only limitation on his abuse of power. So that's why he's cutting secret deals with Biden as we speak to try to get Ukrainian funding over American funding. He says, I love them both. Can't understand why Republicans attack each other rather than fight for the country. I think it's sad that conservatives that I trust Barnes, but I, that I trust Barnes opinion more than any Republican politician. Thank you very much, Beavis Wallace. Mandalici $5 says, wouldn't Trump's ability to pay back his loans be fact that his loans were worth? Yes. Were worth <laughs> like you said, never seen a case like find another case where anyone has been found guilty of civil fraud uh, for loans where the bank never complained where the bank was a sophisticated party and where all loans were repaid in full timely. You won't find it. This is un utterly unprecedented what they're doing. They just want to show they have the power, communist style, to just come and steal all your stuff whenever they want. Uh, this is from Rocka Horace. Is Barnes, any info speculation on the recent arrest in the Tupac case find it kind of hard to believe they magically got a break in this decades-old investigation? I'll, Some I'll of pin that hush-hush I did on the Tupac murder because it goes into it. It's also connected to the notorious B.I.G. murder. Yeah, and he the statements he made were like years ago. So it, it is. Oh, yeah, it, it's there's a reason they covered it up for as long as they did, and and they're going after him when there will be no collateral blowback for other people implicated. Butch Connors, uh, five dollars says McCarthy is cutting deals with Biden. He's not serious about impeachment. 
Uh, we got Iceny2103, Viva Fry, for a back pain, check out the book Sit Up Straight by Vin Pham. Helped my back immediately. I'll do that. I think it's because I'm sitting on my ass too much. But MAGA hat stays. RFK allegedly says in an interview that his internal polling shows he takes more Trump votes than Biden votes. So it is the best way to stop Trump. Thoughts also rumored in his wife's daughter in law works for the CIA. We're going to get to that. Tampered 2015. Matt Drudge told Alex Jones the Supreme Court would crack down on copyright law and Drudge report out of business. With Canada's online crackdown, 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 a podcast encroachment, Pavlovsky's UK arrest rumors, and Assange's false charge and extradition, can it be said there is no mechanism? There is no mechanism already in place to. Can it be said there is no mechanism already in place to arrest Pavlovsky on valid UK warrant if he visits Canadian soil or even snatch an extradition to the US? Yeah, he's got that to was face mostly charges. a threat. There is no existing warrant or anything like that. Yeah, he's, he's got it. He's got it. So I was joking with the Rumble people at the uh, debate because uh, one of them was going back to the UK. I was like, how do you? And I could tell with uh, Chris, he didn't find it that funny. Uh, I was like, hey, hey, what's it like? Uh, you might get arrested next time uh, you're oh. on British soil. Experts have suggested he, if he does not comply with the UK regulation, he they could be arrested. It's, it's amazing. He's, he's living interest. I mean, he's this nice Canadian with a little cat video uh, program. And now he finds himself in the middle of global governments wanting him harm. So well, like, it's like, like hey, welcome what to the, the hell party. did I? What the hell did I just step into? Bogart sixty three eight dollars says, "What do you say about those who have uh, that have legitimate concerns that all it takes is one state to remove Trump from the ballot, regardless of law and precedent?" Yeah, we'll be doing. I'll be answering that question in just a bit. I want to point out another Amazon monopoly in Audible. That's true. The book app. It screws authors into 40% exclusive, 25% non-exclusive deals when the industry standard was 70%. That's from CrowdServe901. No question. $5 from It's Me, Kim. Robert, I would like to hear your take on Jared Kushner making billions off Sutter. I'd say they, they at least had business there. I mean, that, that he, there was a business. Uh, they, smart move by Kushner. I mean, people can make and do it whatever they want, but it was... Kushner's good at making money, and that's what he did. Tim Good, $5, says, I miss what you said about Matt Gates. Do you think the House will succeed in expelling him from the House? Robert? Uh, no. Okay. And now I think I have to refresh just to make sure that I got all the tips. I think we're good. I get, uh, Am I uh, somebody, uh, met a guy this weekend who was in the casino during the Vegas shooting. He said the cops were all saying there were four shooters. Any thoughts? Oh, uh, well, uh, we have up uh, when we did our Vegas event. I did my hush hush on the Vegas shooting. The, um, uh, does the fact that the Arizona treasurer was acting governor confirm the collusion between the Arizona Republican Party and the Democrats? Is there any better evidence than that? Uh, can you elaborate on the nature of the alliance between the Bush family and the Clintons? It's not so much an alliance. Clinton embedded himself in his corruption and all his corrupt allies with deep state people who are deeply invested in the Bush corruption. So he made sure that you could never go after Clinton corruption without unmasking Bush family corruption uh, and deep state corruption. Uh, it's what Biden has also done, by the way, uh, except there's not there's not an opposing party other than the old political establishment. It's there's a reason why Biolabs and Hunter show up on people's it show, showed up on emails in the, on the laptop. That's the limitation. And that's why I'm curious. A real impeachment inquiry would go there. But are they too scared to expose the deep state in the process? And do we end up with a watered down, neutered, weakened impeachment that people like Dershowitz can say this isn't even constitutionally mm -hmm. conforming because they're scared to go at the real corruption? 
we got Il Hall says, or I Hall says, Viva Boat stands for bust out another thousand. Don't fall for it. It wasn't a thousand, but it, it, oh, it he wasn't. He means buy a boat. He means buying a boat. Is oh, good. okay, fine. Yeah. They I, are rent, true rent, money pits. Rent is good. And maybe I'm just going to rent my own pontoon and just take myself out on the ocean. Corrigan says Thomas Sowell sort of for a sidebar. He's oh, no longer it. giving I know interviews. He's doing a couple interviews. He's tough to get, though. He's well, uh, open I, invite. I thought, but I thought he had retired from interviews after his he last. He just day. recently did a couple. So that's why okay. people are saying, ah, maybe he'll do, but he does very, very few. Magahat says DeSantis also said McCain, Romney were superior candidates. Andrew Acquired says, question, Robert David, a lot of us get angry and frustrated about what appears to be downright spiral of society. Words of wisdom counting to 10 does not do it. I, um, I, well, all main- you can do is be, go ahead, sorry. No, I was just say maintain your own integrity. I mean, I, I don't know what else you can do. Yeah, yeah. And all you can do is uh, maintain your information and do what you can about it. Uh, I just know resignation is the only guaranteed way for failure. What is the downside of a Trump win in 2024? Will he inherit an America in such disarray that one term will not be enough to fix it? He doesn't get oh. a second term, Robert. That's that's well, I mean, one term won't fix won't be anywhere near enough to fix it, but it'll just uh, it will put us back on the right path rather than staying on a perilous path. And, and then maybe sets it up for another a longer term candidate like Vivek, perhaps, or someone else, maybe DeSantis in 2028. If he hasn't burnt. So there's a range of people that you know mm-hmm. we need to bring up you know, populism needs to expand, but it's just uh, 2024 is almost do or die for America in many respects because second term of Biden, given the path that's going. Uh, it's fucking, he, he'd be, even if he won re-election, he'd be out within six months and it would be Kamala Harris for the next three yeah, and a half years. Uh, astoundingly be worse. Freddie K, hush hush, Bill, o- Bill O'Reilly, the new book sounds like trash. Uh, Big Basil, Matt Gates forecast, we got that already. F. Sterling Barnes, the Rugby World Cup is going on right now. If there was ever a time to get into watching and learning about rugby, it's during the World Cup. You can watch the streaming on Peacock if you're willing to support NBC. LOL, it's a gracefully violent sport that is missing. Link between football and American Iron Football. Here's another five bucks. Y'all are great. Thank you very much. Kimmy Hunt. Jamal Brown used to be a school principal. Yeah, that's, that's no, he does not not know what a fire um, alarm is. Maybe that's where he got his idea to pull it. Anyway, school principals really know what a fire alarm is. No question. Uh, and I think $5 from Tampered. Piggyback on Poblowski's question in general, what keeps Florida Federalists from honoring a valid Canadian UK arrest warrant? Working backwards, how could Federal make oh. Rumble uh, a, a, a victim of the Silk Road? That's a, that's a decent question, maybe. Mm. Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the uh, 20, it's a big year for Rumble, big year for America. Uh, and the question about what about the heroin dealers not being <laughs> Scottish? I mean, the current heroin dealers that work with certain powerful companies in the world are no longer Scottish. Now, so, so, the so, old boys were. I mean, the people who helped establish Hong Kong uh, were Scottish heroin dealers. Some of, do love it. It's, it's a $1 tip, but I'll read it. It says, says admit it, Winston Viva. Winston passed and you replaced him with another dog. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't happen. All right, Robert, not that it's, uh, what are we at, two and a half hours. What are the remaining subjects that we have to cover right now? So the Michigan election lawsuit is an attempt. What happened is two constitutional amendments passed in Michigan that liberalized the ways they do law voting there. Democrats used a favorable election environment to change the laws to make it easier to repeat and reproduce 2020 over and over again in the state of Michigan. The legislature is now suing on the grounds that those amendments were passed outside of the legislative process and that their argument is the elections clause of the U.S. Constitution requires the legislature be involved in any federal election and that consequently 
because these amendments were passed without the authority or approval of the legislature, it violates the elections clause. So that's, that issue will get litigated and will have major impact on Michigan's election procedures. Robert, some, some of these provisions were fucking nuts. Like I, I, let me, I'm just, I, I know I screen grabbed a few of them. Proposal to establish the right to vote in person before election day in each statewide and federal election requiring early vo- early voting sites to be open for at least nine consecutive days for at least eight hours each day beginning the second Saturday before the uh, before and ending on the Sunday before the election. So they want they want to I mean pre voting for over a week. Uh, Senate Bill three sixty seven implements early voting allowing up to twenty nine days of early voting. The new law allows early voting be offered the Monday before Election Day up until 4 p.m. It also allows clerks to start counting absentee ballots before Election Day. Proposal 2 created a requirement for every municipality to have at least one state-funded drop box for voters to return applications to vote absentee and absentee ballots. Uh, Okay, so there was a limit there on, on population. The bill also requires drop boxes to be monitored by video during the 75 days leading up to an election. Robert, like, am I crazy or does that just sound like let's let people vote for, I mean, so far yeah, in yeah, advance. It, it's basically uh, liberalizing ballot access in such a way as to invite institutionalized fraud on Michigan's elections. Okay. And they couldn't get the legislature to approve, so they went directly to voters. And they disguised it as making elections more secure uh, when it when it really doesn't. Now, whether or not the elections clause forbids this or not is really an open question, uh, and because it goes back to the Harper decision that we discussed mm-hmm. uh, involving North Carolina. So that part is unclear. But it's who is the legislative function performed as? Can it be by constitutional amendment that doesn't involve the legislature? My guess is this suit won't be successful. Because they'll say that the legislative power by the Michigan Constitution goes through either constitutional amendment referendum or through the legislature. It doesn't exclusively require the legislature. Uh, The bigger problem was they didn't effectively campaign against this. Uh, They didn't, you know, they didn't persuade enough voters that this would make uh, elections less trustworthy rather than more. I think their better remedy is their own proposition on the constitutional amendment that could do that, that would uh, increase popularity. For example, they sold it as requiring voter ID when actually it doesn't. It does just the opposite. So things like there's nothing that they couldn't solve by going directly to the voters. That's going to be probably their better solution than hoping the courts say that they're the only legislative branch that counts within the state. Robert, um, Angry Otter said we need a tip jar where Viva pays us a small fortune per F-bomb. Oh, someone said I don't recall. I thought they wanted a tip Jar, if you ever, I don't think I've ever heard you say the F word. I would say, you know, people, uh, I mean, people who curse are do generally have higher intelligence, but you know, I, I, <laughs> I realize that there's a, a part of our audience that is more conservative and prefers the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, I mean, I grew up in religious conservative culture, so the, uh, so I know all the alternatives. You know, dad gum <laughs> and, bless and your heart them. is one of them from what i understand I uh, yes, you, you got to curse him with a smile uh, uh but uh, go the, for it i was saying so to several of the questions uh robert kennedy uh i know richard barris is gonna be polling on it so i didn't i thought uh and i still do think i don't have any inside information on this this is just inference from watching the public discussion uh my 
belief is that Robert Kennedy told the Democratic National Committee that he would run as an independent if they denied him a fair shot in the primary system. And he wanted modification. Uh, he wanted to keep the Iowa and New Hampshire roles, number one. Number two, wanted uh, public, you know, DNC-sponsored debates. And three, uh, uh, wanted a reduced role of superdelegates. They refused all three. And then the Biden administration wouldn't even give them Secret Service protection and seemed to kind of, you know, whoever it was, flash a warning to him by having somebody dress up as a security guard, try to enter his uh, uh, get-together uh, armed and when he wasn't a security guard, ultimately was arrested. And the significance of it is that a person uh, who, dis who uh, faked his way into being a security guard for his father is the one who assassinated his father just a few blocks from where he where this event happened and anyone who knows uh robert kennedy knows that he isn't going to react to threats by backing down but doubling on and it appears the democratic national committee uh didn't care and Biden administration didn't care and they were like trying to call his bluff and so it appears he's like okay fine uh, i'll just run as an independent i suspect he's given them a deadline uh he's announcing on october 9th in philadelphia he says he's a big announcement my guess is he's told them by a certain date before that announcement, I'm either going to announce I'm independent or you're going to announce that we're going to run an, uh, a fair uh, primary process. Uh, it looks like the Dem Democratic Party's probably done a lot of massive internal polling on this, but some of that's going to be unreliable. Anybody that knows the dynamic natures of third party or independent campaigns knows that, how unreliable the polling survey will be. Uh, the So it looks like Dem if the Democrats don't uh, allow a uh, fair process. Uh, my guess is now, and this is where the betting markets are, Robert Kennedy on October 9th in Philadelphia will announce he's running as an independent candidate. Now, uh, because he hasn't competed in any primaries as yet, the, there's the, the, some states have what's called sore loser laws that prohibit someone from running in the party primary and then running as an independent. There's a lot of constitutional problems with those laws. Mm -hmm. Uh, so he could always challenge those. But the value to announcing earlier rather than later would be he as long as he withdraws, those laws generally don't apply at all. So he can get on the ballot. Now, getting on the ballot independent as an independent is not easy. It requires a massive, massive petition gathering process. They impose all kinds of legal hurdles and loophole barriers. That's the other reason to announce earlier rather than later is they, they make it hard, as hard as possible to get on the ballot in many states. So uh, that may be his other consideration behind running as an independent. The main, I think he will ultimately have enough support that he'll get on. He has strong volunteer support and grassroots donors, only a few big donors that donate to his PACs. Now, for his election commission purposes, as long as you are running for the same office, you the fact that you originally raised money to run in a primary and then decide to run as an independent, you're allowed to transfer all those funds to the independent campaign. So uh, he can transfer those funds without too much difficulty. Uh, he'll, he, we'll see how much he raised, I think, $5 million for his campaign first cycle. Probably raised at least $5 million in the second cycle. He could probably raise maybe totally up to $20, 25000000 million. Independent PACs, depending on whether Bill Ackman and other people back him up, might be able to raise another $20, 25000000 million, which would be a very big budget for an independent candidate historically, and obviously a big name to go with it. He's also maybe doing this because the institutional media has mostly shut him out. Uh, only a few interviews on a few mainstream media networks. Uh, he gets some local news coverage and he gets podcast coverage. Also, if you dig into the 
polling data breaking through the uh, older blue collar Democratic loyalist vote is not has not been easy. Uh, so Biden uh, has a lock pretty much on that vote. Uh, no, Newsom, nobody that if they have a bunch of people jumped in the race against Biden, Biden wins with ease because that vote is locked into him. So the uh, they see him as, you know, their nice old uncle. They don't care about the corruption allegations. They don't care about a bunch of that stuff. And as a whole, the professional class wing of the Democratic Party is very happy with Joe Biden. So uh, the other reality that Kennedy's likely run into is that given how rigged the rules are, it was going to be impossible to even make much of a dent in the Democratic primary presidential process without rule changes. So I think he's been trying to figure out what to do with his populist movement, as he himself has described it, and probably thinks running independent would be the best way to organize something that's sustainable post-election. The main impact, everybody's focused on, oh, we hurt Trump more, we hurt Biden more, da, da, da. What everybody's missing is that he is basically insurance for Trump. So all the threat, like the earlier question asked, you know, what if they take Trump off the ballot? What if they imprison Trump before the election? What if that has some effect? What if they get some conviction in it? You know, media right polling right now says it wouldn't, but what if it does? Um, what is the backup plan for populist supporters? The reality is Robert Kennedy running as an independent is Trump insurance and populism insurance. Uh, that what would happen if they take Trump off the ballot and Robert Kennedy's there as an independent, Robert Kennedy gets those votes, not Joe Biden, uh, not a conventional Republican. So the in fact, the only way Robert Kennedy uh, uh, would be likely to, to actually win is if they take Trump out. And the, and the deep state apparatus fears Robert Kennedy in many respects more than they fear Donald Trump. So Kennedy running as an independent is great news for Trump because it dramatically reduces the probability of them finding some means to remove him from the 2024 election. Robert, I'll bring this up just because, A, I'm going to rub it in Hunley's face when we're done with this. Um, so this was a tweet from Hunley, and it says, wow, would you look at that? Go figure. Hunley, I'm not giving you a hard time. I'm just I'm pointing this out as we go through it. And the article, Remove, is this article. And I'm going to say, I, Robert Kennedy admits his campaign has done polling on running independent, and he takes more general election votes from Donald Trump than Joe Biden. This theory makes no sense unless one thinks that Kennedy is working in cahoots with the Democrat Party. If he, right. if he, if he feels that he's getting screwed by the Democrats, he's not running as an independent to hurt Trump, period. Right. So this might be predicated on the idea that he's a truly a deep state asset to the Democrats, double fakey, uh, false flag, going to run as an independent, take Trump's votes from Trump. It doesn't make sense on his face. Yeah. Uh, I, I, sorry, go for it. Yeah. And just the primary thing everybody's missing is Kennedy's a backup plan for them taking out Trump. So the main impact of Kennedy's presence on the ballot is it makes it very difficult for them to remove Trump from the ballot without running the risk that they get a President Kennedy instead. And so that's where, uh, and you know, there's other ways they could remove Trump from the ballot, you know, uh, just remove Trump, period. So that's the main impact of Kennedy running is it, it dramatically improves the chance that Trump is on the ballot in these areas and dramatically improves the chance that something doesn't happen to Trump before election day. Now, in terms of how an election would actually play out, here, it's a, it, generally speaking, you know, Rasmussen did a poll that said Robert Kennedy 
could take as much as a third of Biden's votes away from him. So that, but you're going to see survey data all over the place. Yeah. Uh, having watched and studied third party independent candidates for forever in the polling arena, to give you an example, you know, Ralph Nader helped Al Gore. There's a reason why, but nobody predicted that. But if you understood the nature of the voters and what they're going to do on election day, you could figure that out in advance. Some of us did. The, uh, but so to give an illustration with, with Robert Kennedy, if assume Trump is fully on the ballot, he's not been in prison pending the election, there, it, even if there's been a conviction and hasn't negatively impacted him in a, in a d- d- completely destructive way, the people who are voting Trump are not going to go in and vote Kennedy instead. That, that's just not going to happen. Uh, so the people who are going to vote Kennedy are people who are unhappy with Biden but can't stomach voting Trump. That's who's going to vote Kennedy. So I can tell you in advance that and that's why Kennedy, as I told people, if 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 anybody thought this on the Democratic Party side, Kennedy would have never threatened it. Right. And the Democratic Party wouldn't have perceived it as a threat. Right. You can't say, oh, I'm going to run as an independent and help Joe Biden unless you give me what I want. Well, why would that work? Right. That that requires you believe Robert Kennedy is irrational and the entire Democratic Party apparatus is irrational and Joe Biden is irrational. So you could just read between the tea leaves that everybody knows the most likely impact of another Democrat being on the ballot, a very famous Democrat being on the ballot, is that it will hurt the Democratic nominee. Uh, and so the the but the real impact isn't really that. I think in the end, if Trump is on the ballot and he isn't taken off by hook or by crook, uh, Trump is going to win whether Kennedy's on the ballot or not. Hmm. And can he be on the ballot most likely helps him more than it hurts him in key places. But the big impact is that he's insurance. He's Trump insurance. He's insurance for populist ideas. And he dramatically increases the capacity of a populist movement surviving post-Trump. He dramatically increases the pro- the probability of populist influence on the court of public opinion. So that's why I'm, I welcome a Robert Kennedy independent candidacy. Uh, because it's net good for almost every single core cause that most of us care about. There's some marginal causes we disagree on, but they're not the big ones that are going to define the future of the country. Catsap has an $11 tip, says Cernovich is adamantly Kennedy takes Trump votes, and that will be the end of the Mostly USA. Mostly because they, they don't know uh, Trump. They, they, they don't understand the Trump vote. But so that's it. Like, people say that, oh, Kennedy's anti-vax, so therefore the Trump vote is who, who, who's anti-vax. If Trump is not there, is going to vote for, for Kennedy? First yeah, you of just all, look at the donor profile, his volunteer profile. There's almost no overlap between Trump voter. So are there, will there be some people that would otherwise vote for Trump if Kennedy wasn't on the ballot? Sure. But there'll be far more that would have either not voted or voted Biden. The, no, the, the, but- the core Kennedy support comes from people who cannot stomach Donald Trump. Uh, that, that part people don't understand because those that are more informed and engaged in the populist movement see Kennedy correctly as an ally and see Trump as an ally. So they think they're, that in a competition between them, there would be loss of Trump voters to Kennedy. But if you understand the Trump voter, the Trump voter is not going to vote for Robert Kennedy over Donald Trump. That's just never happening. Well, so no, the, the, the question would be, is if Trump's not in, would they vote? Well, I guess no. It's it would only if be, Trump isn't available that they'll vote Kennedy. And understood. that's why I say the biggest impact is insurance. Uh, it, the, the sustainability of the populist cause post-Trump and insurance for Trump is if you haven't heard Trump say negative word boo about Kennedy. That's because Trump understands this very, very well. It would have been like if Bernie Sanders would have run third party in 2016. It would have benefited Trump 
And he knew that from the yep. get-go. Just because he won some Bernie voters didn't mean that a net effect of a third-party left populist campaign wouldn't benefit uh, Trump. Because there is a group of voters uh, who just uh, who don't like Biden. Some are willing to vote Trump. Some are not. And there's uh, the, the other thing that's going to happen. This happens to every independent third-party campaign. If it's seen as close, and this election will be seen as close, Robert Kennedy, to be honest with you, by election day, will get 2 to 3% of the vote. It won't be impactful in very many places. He'll get the most votes in uh, Democratic states that are so Democratic it doesn't matter. So the, uh, uh, that's where he can probably gather the most volume. Uh, so Because that, that's how that has almost always worked with independent third-party candidacies. That's why I say his biggest impact is populist movement post-Trump and insurance against the, the only way Kennedy surges is if the deep state takes out Trump. And they know that as well as anybody. This is mostly retaliation and a threat to the deep state than it is the Democratic political machine. You'll hear Kennedy and everybody say give you con- contradictory in- impact on polls. Ignore them all. Barris will do a deep dive, but you have to know these voters and you have to know how they make decisions. And if you understand those two things, you understand that a Trump voter is not going anywhere but Trump unless they're denied the right to vote Trump. Then they vote Kennedy. Um, and as long as the deep state knows that, Trump stays on the ballot. And I was going to say something about Kennedy. It was, I'm going to forget it, Robert. Damn it. Uh, it's Cernovich. not a guarantee now because he's going independent. So I think it's about 90% chance given what we've seen so far. But you know, you never know. I mean, I think uh, uh, I guarantee Democratic polls will likely show the same thing oh, as Moosen polls showed. R- Ross Perot. Everyone goes to the Ross Perot analogy that says Ross Perot gave Hillary Clinton the, the, the campaign. Bill Clinton. Or th- yeah, that was always wrong. Uh, and, and I get Republicans have used that excuse for a long time. And but, I but, get Ferris kind of thinks that it's not accurate. But Ross, uh, Ross Perot, more people who voted for Perot would have chosen Clinton than chosen Bush. Uh, but am I wrong in thinking that Ross Perot was re- Republican-ish to begin with? So even if it is true, it's only because we were starting from the opposite side of the political aisle. Uh, Kennedy's- they they kind of think of him that way, but he was not, uh, for example, on old cultural issues, he was liberal. So the, he, was not, he didn't come from the evangelical camp at all, and that was the real Republican base at the time. Mm-hmm. And so the net effect was for people who wanted change, he sucked off of uh, Clinton's vote. I mean, had he stayed in, I mean, you can tell this by when he was in before he withdrew the first time. As soon as he withdraws, who gets the big boost? Not Bush, Clinton. Clinton got a massive surge after Ross Perot withdrew. And that's because that voter was looking for change more than anything else. So the, the choice in George Poppy Bush was not change. So the, uh, that's where they've always been wrong because they're like, well, he's, he seems like a uh, Republican-ish guy. And it's like, not really. Uh, and it depends on the third party candidacy. So like they thought that about Wallace in 68. Uh, and but they misread a lot of Wallace's votes. There were a bunch about a third of Wallace's border south voters voted for McGovern even in 1972 because they didn't understand that vote either. The uh, so it, knowing how third party candidates are going to work really varies. There's often a lot of prediction about it. For example, the 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 assumption was libertarian quasi Republican candidates running in 2016. Like Evan McMuffin there in uh, Utah, uh, Ron Johnson uh, and William Weld, that that would hurt Trump uh, because if you looked at it, those were former Republican voters. But if you saw 2020 when libertarians did nothing, it benefited Biden. Uh, it, it didn't uh, the uh, uh, in terms of you know their big voting in 2016 helped Trump 
because they're and this is here's the core any number that increases the independent candidate boosts Trump because Trump has a base of about close to 45% that's going nowhere. And everybody knows this that's done the deep dive into who these voters are. And that's why any analysis that says Kennedy hurts Trump uh, is is missing the boat. Even if well, I, who knows what Kennedy thinks or says, but the net of, but I can tell you if Kennedy thought that he wouldn't have been threatening it to the Democratic Party. And now Hunley is texting me in real time and he says has RFK ever spoken badly of Biden? And dude, and I think this is why Twitter sucks. He says, dude, you missed what we were saying. RFK Jr. will never take a MAGA vote. Okay, so that's why Twitter sucks for discussion. Uh, Robert, there was one other tip in here that says, I want to hear your opinions on Dr. Shiva Ayadurya. For goodness sake, Ayadurya. I've had him on the channel three times. I love him. Um, I I like him. I mean, I think he's kind of nuts. But the uh, but, intense, you know, intense, the Robert. Him and, and, and talk to him. So the uh, I mean, I think he means well in a lot of respects, but I think he's kind of nuts. I think uh, I don't think he's nuts. I think he's extremely he has a personality of the president, but I think he he's he's very intense and he's very he's an autistic, but he identifies as one, I suppose. <laughs> the uh, uh, but oh, a couple other quick cases. Okay, do it, uh, do it. A, yeah, I think it was Nebraska state senator, Democratic state senator was called a groomer. Yeah, that's a matter of, first of all, it's either a matter of opinion or it's a matter of fact. So either way, you're losing your defamation lawsuit. They said yeah, it was well, clearly a matter it, of opinion. What they said is that as long as there's enough hyperbole, <laughs> nobody will infer that's a factual claim. They'll infer it's just hyperbole. Absolutely. Like I just called Justin Trudeau a piece of shit. And no one's going to say I'm d- a, a saying he's a matter of fecal, but he is an objective, in my opinion, piece. Okay, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being facetious. But when, when, um, Oh, geez. Elon Musk gets off for calling someone a pedo. I mean, calling someone a groomer was never going anywhere, especially public figures, especially ones who are groomers of public figures. So congrats, Nebraska. You groomed your children and other people's children. Uh, the you know, California mileage limit question that came up in the, uh, in the replies to the board poll, the, we'll have to look into you know, uh, how that can be legally challenged. Because it, you know, regulatory takings are difficult under the current Supreme Court jurisprudence. Uh, there was when you effectively take someone's property uh, through regulation. They they found a hundred excuses not to call it that when that this kind of is, uh, and and other restrictions that might be challengeable. But uh, we'll see what I know. People are looking at challenging those some of the crazy climate change laws that are being passed by these various jurisdictions. The, uh, and then our uh, favorite little fun case of the week, uh, the Better Call Saul suit. So what's th- th- this is the Liberty Insurance or Liberty... Liberty Tax it? Service. Liberty Tax Service. In the show, look, I read the lawsuit, Robert. This is a real-life Liberty Tax Service out of New Mexico suing Netflix for... Basically, it's it's copyright or a trademark violation, but in a way that makes them look bad because they had it in the show. It was called... Well, they added a word to the to the tax thing at the beginning. What do they call it in the show? Damn it. They, they added a well, word to it. They call it Sweet Liberty Tax Sweet Service. Liberty, that's right. They call it Sweet Liberty Tax Services. They make it look bad. This show says it's confusingly similar. Sorry, the Liberty Taxes says this is confusingly similar. You're using our mark in your show to make us look bad, violating our mark. And the, I mean, I didn't understand. It's like people, I'd never heard of Liberty Tax before. I would have thought it was an accident more than deliberate. But apparently the show says we were kind of inspiring ourselves from your liberty tax thing and it's 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 parody they used, 
they use some of the same symbols, the Statue of Liberty top and things like but that. Yeah, but even that, that sounds too generic. I would have never thought it was it was based on anything real. And even if I saw Liberty tax in real life, I would have never associated it with the sweet Liberty using the tax stuff for, for, for nefarious purposes in, in Better Call Saul. Um, but ultimately, they said no trademark violation. Nobody thought it was advertising the services and wares of a... Of an, of a Tax company was for the purposes of the show, and they dismissed the trademark violation by the plaintiff. Yes, good. I mean, I know the court made the correct decision that when you have a well-developed storyline that's independent of the actual service, and you incorporate and you're utilizing it for artistic and sometimes parody purposes, then it reduces the probability of confusion and commercial misappropriation, which is what the Lanham Act and these other laws are intended to protect. So even though they used the same uh, part of the same name and part of the same imagery as Liberty Tax Service, because it had a well-developed independent plot line, because the point of it wasn't to sell its own Liberty, its own tax services, but instead was to build out that plot line. And it was clearly done with both artistic and parody purposes to it. Thus, it was outside of the purpose and point of trademark protection, which is not absolute. Trademark protection is not there to protect a mark just because it's your mark. It's there to prevent somebody from stealing your mark and uh, capitalizing on it for their own financial purposes. It's not there to prevent parody. It's not there to preclude uh, artistic use. It's uh, solely there for a limited purpose of protecting your commercial interest in it. And uh, that I thought the court did the right decision. So better call Saul's making fun of Liberty Tax Service prevailed without legal consequence. How, how, how oh, so happy we, we... was the little guy for catching the uh, fish? Here, hold, get in here, get in here. We're, we're still live, so bear in mind, no, take nothing. Okay, get in here. How was the fish that you caught? Good. Okay, he's, what do you have on your face? Is that chocolate? That's chocolate on his face. Um, I, Robert, there was one more, there was one more uh, tip in here. It said, any chance Trump talks to RFK into being his VP? Seems like that would be the good post-elected insurance for Trump. R remember when he said, uh, yeah, I wouldn't... I, he's, he's made clear that that would never happen. Well, he said and it I made clear that, for that, now. Where, well, there's a part of the Trump base that and definitely the broader populist base that likes Robert Kennedy, uh, but not so much they would vote for him over Trump. There's a large part of the Kennedy core base that's a, a that's not a, that doesn't like Trump and never will like Trump. Mm. And and it comes from that sort of old left. They're just too deeply skeptical. Like, can you imagine Jimmy Dore ever voting Trump, even though he's been very critical of Biden? I, I could, but that, that might not be the best example. But I could, I could imagine an example. Jimmy Dore will vote Trump. He will, period. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm no, telling I, him now. I think there's no chance of it. <laughs> At least not any way you publicize. Because I know a good number of people on that side of the aisle, and Trump's too uh, far. The entire Republican Party is too far bridged for any of them to ever cross. And what people don't understand is the core Kennedy base is a base that is, will never vote Republican come hell or high water. So that that's what they don't quite get about that that voter. Like people would understand it better if they were more on the partisan Republican side. Why some people would on the Republican side would never vote for a Democrat no matter what. So the uh, that's that's why Kennedy will be a net plus for for Trump, but big net plus for populism, no doubt. Now I'm going to crack the kids back. Oh, nobody heard that, um, Ethan. We're going to end this show. How was the fishing yesterday? Don't get your hopes up. It'll never happen again. How was yesterday's fishing? Very good. <laughs> uh, all right, Robert. Uh, we'll say our proper goodbyes. Uh, the kid, he knew it was time. I think someone sent down to summon summon the bedtime uh, ritual. 
everybody out there, hold on. How many are we? We're at like 2,300 watching on Locals. Uh, become a supporter. Contemplate it. You don't have to, but there's a lot of good stuff. Robert Barnes's um, Deep Dives, uh, Hush Hushes, and every now and again, some exclusive, like, you know, previews of the... What are you doing? <sighs> Uh, all right, everybody, go out there and have a good night. I'll see you all tomorrow, maybe, but definitely this week. Robert, stick around with Sarah Palmer. Goodbyes. <laughs> good night, everyone. Enjoy the night. <laughs>